is Symbol of Excellence in Sports Entertainment. You know something, maniacs, when I think about three weeks away, brothers, it's like an eternity. It's like forever and a day. Because this is the day that wrestling like Hulkamania either lives forever or it's all downhill. You know something? Yet, Sid Justice, we don't know if you're a man or a mouse. We don't know if you're a redwood tree that you possess to be that can stand the test of time. Or if you're like the cowardly lion. Where'd you go? Did you step on my tail? You know something, Sid Justice? Everything you've done since you've got in the WWF has been a cowardly act, brother. Thank God the hierarchy at the Titan Tower on Exit 9 have finally got behind Hulk Hogan. Because if you didn't go with the four demandments this time, wrestling, your job, your lifestyle, the WWF, it's all over, man. Sid Justice, Hulk Hogan's gonna pay you a visit at WrestleMania. And what you gonna do when Hulk Hogan, the maniacs, and the whole WWF run wild on you? Hey now, welcome to episode 9 of the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, I'm in Buffalo, New York, and with me tonight, the last days of March, firmly in WrestleMania season now, out in Sopranos Town, USA, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? Got USC football on the brain. Reggie Bush. All right. Yeah. What's going on? All right. Uh, not too much, my brother. Doing good over here in Sopranos Town. Got the St. Patrick's Day festivities, a.k.a. hangover, over. Uh, been hitting the gym pretty hard. The weather's changing. Just uh, all around doing good. Getting ready for quote-unquote WrestleMania season. There's a little bit of something for everybody, including us Laps fans, during uh, WrestleMania weekend, week, or WrestleMania week now, actually. So uh, just that time of year. It's got that It's got that feel. This. Some parts of the year have a feel, and uh, this one certainly does. Yeah, March can bring anything in Buffalo. You could have, you mentioned St. Patrick's Day. We have a parade here, even though it's been canceled the last two years. But the St. Patrick's Day parade, I think, has had every kind of weather you can imagine. You know, you've been down there in shorts. You've been down there in winter jackets, raincoats, everything. I mean, we could get anything in March, and usually we get all of it. And this week is just all of a sudden went from 30, 30, 30, 30 to 65, 65, 65. So the weather's turning here. People are out. When I was in, you know, middle school, high school, I would always say is that the boobs are out. You know, the girls, they had their their breasts covered all winter with sweaters and jackets. And I Gotta let them breathe. You know, yeah, they, they would come out with tank tops and uh, T-shirts. All right. You would see the evolution, do the evolution uh, from uh, from from the year seventh grade, eighth grade. This could be some big jumps sometimes. 
some big jumps. Uh, the year, the time of year, it's also WrestleMania season. I mentioned that. We got kind of a WrestleMania-themed show. And one thing people love to do during WrestleMania season is watch old WrestleManias. Uh, and while doing so, a controversy was uncovered. And as you know, we talked about it a few episodes ago, the network, the WWF network, is now on Peacock. And when it was switching over at first, the first note I heard was that all the WrestleManias were up except for like 5, 6, 17. There's like a few random ones that weren't up. Those are three important WrestleManias right there, not to be up. And then as the day would go on, you know, I'd look. And it got to the point where all of them seemed to be there but six. And the day passed and I forgot about it and didn't think anything of it. And then I got a message from you yesterday saying, WrestleMania 6 on Peacock doesn't have Roddy Piper and bad news, bad news, Brown on it. And sure enough, so that's probably why it didn't go up right away. And um, yeah, and I, you know, on the on the run sheet here, I wrote, "Will Peacock destroy the network?" And there was a big thread on the Place to Be group page discussing this, and I kind of stood up for Peacock initially, and I said, "Look, if they didn't spend billions of dollars to to fuck the dog on this." And they're not going to take the time to go through all this shit and nickel and dime it, you know, or whatever. And now I don't know. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, you originally stuck up for them before the cancel culture stuff kicked in is what you're saying. Well, I I mean, I knew that cancel culture existed. I just didn't think that they would apply it here. But you know what, Steve? It might be this. Roddy Piper painting himself half black and half white. Well, half black in that that match. Well, right. We know why they did it. No, but the reason why yeah, we know why, but the reason why they're canceling him, he looked too much like a skunk, too much like Pepe Le Pew. So maybe it's just that too much like Pepe Le Pew, and we'll get things back to normal. Yeah, I'm not so sure now. I, I think it's going to be a runaway train when you get to the Attitude Era. See, this is what people who are against this kind of thing say: is that you know, where does it stop? And I think when you're going to, if you're going to assess the network this way, if you're going to assess each card, each match, each piece of media this way, it's going to be a runaway train for them. Yeah. Well, hopefully that maybe just because WrestleMania is such a big, you know, a big event, they looked at these. Maybe if they start taking out every little thing Bobby Heenan says about Tito Santana or Jesse the Body or my favorite shows, you know, Primetime Wrestling and Tuesday Night Titans. I mean, there's all kind of little stuff in there, which to me is not a big deal at all. You know, if you have a set of balls on you and but I don't want to get into all that shit. But if they start penny picking at, at all that stuff, man, we're in serious trouble here with uh, with the uh, peacock. Well, I'm, I'm blessed. I have access to a Google Drive uh, through the community. That's all I can say about it. It's a secret. Yeah, I may or may not as well. And I almost exclusively watch that anyway. You know, the thing about the WWE Network, even under the WWE, is it was pretty heavily edited and reimagined in the corporate image of the WWE, whether it be music that they didn't feel the need to pay for or things that they had already cut out or they would get in a beef with somebody and then they would be taken off. 
You know, there was a time that Hulkster, they didn't take him off the network, but they kind of buried him in the network. And so I have already sort of fallen out of favor with it and not enjoyed it that much and really focused on watching everything on the Google Drive anyway because it's all original. And this is like strike one for Peacock, but it's kind of a strike two for me because the network already came in with a strike. So it's going to be real easy for them to totally lose me and just turn away from it quickly. You know, I, I like, I look at the last year and I watched the last ride and I watched the icon documentary, the one, the Yokozuna one. I think I watched an episode or two of Steve Austin show. Although a lot of those have been new people, ones that I didn't care for or skipped. Um, and that's almost it. So I'm already barely using it. And, you know, the other thing is, is I don't like to have to play scavenger hunt when I watch an event. You know, what's going to be there? What's not going to be there? Oh, did that get taken out? Is that different? I just like to know it's the original thing. So, and I have, I still have all my DVDs and even some of those are altered. But, um, you know, mostly it's music issues with that, if anything. So and I'm not afraid to watch a DVD even in 2021. I still have a lot of them within walking distance of the couch, and I still have a player hooked up because I use my PlayStation 4. And uh, I don't know; it's just going to go away quick for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, um, you know, my parents' basement is still filled with thousands. Well, maybe a thousand, maybe a thousand of VHS, well, maybe over a thousand of VHS tapes. All the stuff I taped when I was a kid, all the original syndication, all that. But do I really want to, you know, you've gotten so used to even starting with the uh, WWE 24-7 on demand. Just laying there. I don't like continuously, people may think I do, but continuously watch old wrestling. I like to watch it kind of the last thing of the, of the night. Maybe if you watch a movie, if you're coming home from the gym, if you're coming home from a date or the bar or whatever, it's easy to fall asleep to hearing Gorilla and Bobby or, you know, an old uh, Vince and Jesse or something. So the on demand stuff, which the network obviously was, it's easy. Just bang, bang, you got something on. Instead of going to get the tape and all the old school way. And, you know, I'd have to rehook up a VCR and whatnot. Yeah, but only and, one uh, time. You'll have to do that one yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, I think the, I like the on demand 24 7 was my favorite because you had to watch the stuff. It was only there for 30 days. Like, oh, you got a Boston Garden card? Okay, I got to watch this by April 1st or it's going gonna, it's gonna to change over to something else. And you would like really get it. All right, I'm going to watch that show. I've I've never seen it before. I haven't seen it in years. Stuff on the network, they you know add twenty WCW Saturday nights. Like oh, I kind of want to watch these. I haven't seen them in a really long time, but ah, they'll be there forever. You know, I'll get to it. But um, yeah, just just kind of that makes you at ease putting it on real quick. We kind of got used to that in the past ten to fifteen years. So uh, it kind of so I don't have my drive. Maybe if I have it or not set up where I could get it on uh, yeah, lickety split one, two, three. So that's my own situation. But if I had that or do get that, fuck the network or Peacock, you know, that I'm, I'm all in on the, uh, the originals, my man. All right, moving on. Uh, last show or maybe the show before that, we talked about the class of 2020 to the WWE Hall of Fame. We talked about where Dave kind of ranked everyone. And most of the 2021 class is announced. And unfortunately, we can't really wait around much longer for 
anything else to be announced because it will be have happened by our next show, most likely. Uh, so quickly, I wanted to mention that Batista is out of the 2020 class. He has a engagement, so he has to be honored another time, and I'm sure they're fine with it, having two classes to announce anyway. Uh, but we're going to do for 2021 what we did for 2020, Dave. I want to know three things. One, is the person being inducted in the top third, middle third, or bottom third of the Hall of Fame overall? I want to know where they are for you in terms of your fandom. Are they in your top third, your middle, or your bottom? Just in terms of being a fan of the person. Uh, And then, I guess last from 1 to 10, I just want you to give me a score on that person as a Hall of Famer. So, let's start with Molly Holly, two-time women's champion and one-time hardcore champion. All right, pal. Um, unfortunately, as I'd have to put her in, in the middle third of as as a you know wrestler going in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people don't know that she was Miss Madness in uh, WCW, uh, a valet to Macho Man, along with Medusa. And uh, was there a third girl? Yes, Gorgeous George, Macho Man's girlfriend at the time. So that's how uh, she debuted in wrestling as Miss Madness. Then she became Mona in WCW. She wrestled in like an evening gown type of thing then she uh went over to wwe and uh was in the right to censor i think did a couple of things lasted a long time uh never really you know set the world on fire or anything but you know the if you gotta you know not if you you should put a female in every every time that's cool and um yeah why uh, why not i mean am i excited about it not really but you know why not that's all i gotta say about that and uh as a personal um Mid again, you know, middle third. And uh, the score for her uh, going in, at a, you want a one to ten, my friend? Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give Molly Holly a five right right in the middle. All right, I think that's all very generous. It's bottom third, bottom third, two for me. <laughs> all right, moving on. I hear, I hear you, though. I definitely hear you. Eric Bischoff, former senior vice president of WCW. He led WCW to an 83-week Winning streak in the ratings over the WWF during the Monday Night Wars. He's also a hardcore champion, the first general manager of Raw's brand, and the creator of the eliminated Elimination Chamber match and Raw Roulette. So that's the resume. How about Eric Bischoff? Don't forget HLA Hot Lesbian Action. Is also uh, an Easy E creation. Easy E is a top third echelon for me, of course. Um, my personal opinion, he's a uh, top third as well, and he's a one zero, a ten going in the Hall of Fame. He took Vince McMahon uh, to to bat closer than anybody else did. Beat him up in 1996, 97, and part of '98. My friend, and uh, I always loved Eric Bischoff. Good friend of the star of the show, Hulk Hogan. And the Smarks hate him, which means I love him. So, you know, it's as simple as that. And I think he's really cool. He's a good speaker. He's a cool dude. You know, he's got his own beer out there, out in Cody, Wyoming. You know, he loves his dog. Got a hot wife. You know, a a MILF, whatever you want to call it. Just Bischoff's just, he's he's the top of the line, my man. Love him. All right, I put him in the top third in terms of, in relative to the Hall of Famers. Uh, 
bottom third for me in terms of being a fan. Well, maybe the bottom of the middle. Whoa. Maybe the bottom of the middle. Again, I'm not a ECW or a WCW fan, and I didn't watch much when he was in WWF. And I don't really care for his podcast, so I'm not fair enough connecting with him really. But he's a solid seven, you know, overall um, in terms of his career and you know what he's done for the business. I don't like I said, I put him in the top third in terms of the overall haul. Just not my guy. All right, next up, Kane, one-time champion, uh, a one-time world heavyweight champion, because of course there's two different thumb belts. Uh, a one-time ECW champion, two-time IC champion, one-time hardcore, one-time 24-7, two-time tag team champion, nine-time world tag team champion. What the difference there is, I have no idea. One-time WCW tag team champion, and eight, the eighth triple crown champion, uh, third Grand Slam champion. Quite the resume here. Can't what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... It's so much easier back in the 80s. and uh, yeah, It goes on and on, too. I could cut it off. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, okay, uh, as a wrestler, top, top third. I mean, this guy uh, made a huge impact. He's like the Undertaker's Macho Man to Hulk or Macho Man or Andre. You know what I mean? Uh, he's right there. Everybody knows him. He's pop culture, well-known. You know, he's, um, he's just young. Everybody knows who Kane is. He's had a great career. and um, But personally... Personally, I'm going to put him in the middle uh, for me, middle third, my personal opinion, because I don't know. It, it, I was always kind of bored by uh, it, it, I like the big, big monster type wrestlers and all that's right at right in my ballpark. But uh, the whole uh, Undertaker Kane thing was I mean, I, I could see why people love it. It's awesome, but it just wasn't my thing. So it's like you said with Bischoff, just, you know, it just wasn't my thing. So middle for me there. And then uh, at a score. Uh, one through ten, he's still got to be a ten. Wow, very generous. Uh, I would give him in the top third in terms of uh, overall presence in the Hall of Fame. Uh, middle third in terms of just being a fan of him, and I'd put him around a seven overall. Uh, great. All right. Oh, brother. Okay, they're serious here, I guess. The great Kali, one-time world heavyweight champion which made him the first Indian world champion. And he was a 200, 2008 Slammy Award winner for Damn Moment of the Year. So quite, Damn, from Ron Simmons? Quite, the, quite the resume there. Go ahead. On, uh, the great Kali. Okay. Um, well, I understand why they're, why they're putting him in, but I do understand why people won't like it either. Uh, he got the connection between WWE and... India and WWE India making uh, WWE uh, famous or getting TV over there, whatever you want to call it. Uh, one thing about him that I do like is I got to say, even like in the era when he was, I guess you want to say big or on TV a lot, if I'm not paying attention to wrestling and he comes out and I have the TV on, my head's going to turn. I go, oh, dude, look at this guy. You know, then when he talks, it's funny. So it's kind of like an eye catcher in a way. Not that I'm totally into it but he kind of you know he catches he catches your eyes so that means he's going to catch the general public's eye not the marks you know general people changing the channel might stop on this guy so i'll put him i'll put a middle third there in, in my opinion what the situation is doing for me it's a bottom third and uh impact uh one to ten i'll give him a four 
All right, I'm going bottom third, bottom third two for that. He doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer. Um, I saw a comment today. It's getting close to naming it the WWE Hall of anyone who's ever worked for us. Well, uh, uh-huh. and that would he definitely fall in that. He's not a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry, he's just not. Be like putting you know Matt Barkley in the NFL Hall of Fame. Um. All right, and then there is a, a rumored name. We're going to take it as gospel for today. Uh, could be wrong, but we'll just assume it's right just for the purposes of this exercise. Uh, and that name is Rob Van Dam. So what do you, what do you got for RVD? Okay, um, I'll slip him by a hair into the top third. Uh, he made a very big impact if you like that kind of wrestling. I was a big ECW fan from 1994 until 1997-ish. I kind of, when it, all the guys started leaving and going to WCW, I kind of fell out of it. So by the time it came over to TNN and a lot of people started, more people started liking it, I, I was no longer interested in ECW. And that's when Rob Van Dam really became the champion and was going on top. But uh, I'll, I'll, he's going to slide in there in the top third. My personal opinion, I do, I like Rob Van Dam. Um, I'll, I still got to put him in the middle third. And I don't want to waste all this time explaining why on here. So we got a big show coming. And uh, for Impact, I'll give him a seven. Yeah, he's interesting because I'm also a huge, you know, ECW fan. Buffalo is a huge market for them. And whenever they came, I went. Um, but I, I was never a huge fan of him for whatever reason. Uh, I think he's upper middle third in terms of the Hall of Fame itself. I think he's upper middle third for me. I didn't know we could do upper middle third. That'd be my. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm but, saying yeah, like that, I think I think he's right. in the middle, but you know he'd be he'd be more towards the top of that group. Absolutely. You know what I mean? He's not he's not quite the the top third. I don't think in either of them for me, and I think he's about a six and a half or a seven overall. So it's yeah. a little surprising. I, I when I thought about it, I thought I like him more than I really do. I guess it's starting to get into these guys that are after our era, but it's like. Yeah, they're Hall of Famers, you know what I mean. But they, you know, the, all the guys that got skipped, like Rick Martel and Bundy, etc. Demolition. If we just for, try to put that out of our mind for a second, yeah, Rob Van Dam belongs. All right. With that said, let's let's get to business because we got a good show today, uh, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back. The show today is WrestleMania eight, and. Uh, I don't know if we've even said that yet, which is a failure on our part. Uh, we probably should have mentioned uh, somewhere before the 25-minute mark that we're covering WrestleMania 8 today, but we are. We're turning into dumb Hoosiers. And, of course, it's uh, Hulk versus Sid. So just off the top, we got to say, who is Sid? Uh, we'll go over his uh, resume. Uh, and then I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at the history of WrestleMania locations and venues. We'll talk about the first eight WrestleManias, where they were, and um, and then next time uh, we'll do nine through eighteen. So we'll kind of look at the venues and the the cities that hosted WrestleManias, and then we're going to talk about uh, the card a little bit. Um, why didn't Hogan and Flair wrestle? Uh, Dave's got an older card. Um, it's also the first time the title isn't last. And then, of course, we're going to talk about where where is Hulk? Where, where is he in this time? Like we always do, Dave will update us on what he's doing on the house show circuit. Uh, and then the, the segment after that, we're going to talk about the news from April of 1992. We'll read the news. 
Uh, we're going to go over the entire WrestleMania 8 card and grade all the matches. We always grade the pay-per-views. Uh, then we'll do Hulk and Sid, the play-by-play. We'll grade that match. And then the question, which was on everyone's mind at the end of WrestleMania 8, what's next for Hulk? Have we seen the last of him? And then, of course, we're going to do the outro. We'll do our plugs. we got to talk about our new social media pages that we have started. Lots of stuff on emails. And then we'll talk about the next show. So that's everything we got to do today. Let's get started. You ready, Dave? I like it. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter at sports underscore caster or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown pod. All right, we are back, the 24-inch podcast, talking about WrestleMania 8 tonight. And, of course, WrestleMania 8, the main event. It's a double main event. Uh, and in the middle of the of the night, we have the Macho Man versus Ric Flair. And then, of course, the last match taking us home is Hulk Hogan versus Psycho Sid. And this kind of set up at Royal Rumble initially uh, with Hulk pulling Sid out after Sid had eliminated him. Uh, And, of course, as I talked about on the Place to Be Nation podcast, the main event is really exists because of the decision to not have Hogan versus Flair as the main event, which, you know, the more I study this stuff, the more I watch things, I I can't believe that it didn't happen. But before we get to that, let's talk about Sid Udi, uh, born Sidney Raymond Udi, born December 16th, 1960. He's best known under the ring names Sid Vicious, Sid Justice, Psycho Sid, or simply Sid. He's a six-time world champion. He won the WWF Championship twice, the World Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Championship twice, and the USWA Unified World Heavyweight Championship twice. Um, He also held the United States Heavyweight Championship once. And, you know, he headlined a couple WrestleManias, eight, as we're talking about today, and 13 in 92 and 97. And he also main evented Starcade in 2000. So he's one of those guys that isn't someone who has great passion for the business. You know, he's often said that he joined simply for a career uh, to make money. He even claims to this day that when he showed up at WrestleMania 8, he didn't know it was WrestleMania that day. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely as well, but he just wants you to really know that, you know. I know, I've heard it too. He's just too cool for the business. <laughs> uh, he joined in 1987 after an encounter with the Macho Man uh, and his brother Leap and Lanny out there in Ecuador, or wherever the heck he is these days. Uh, he was 
trained by Tajo Yamamoto. And uh, he debuted as he teamed with Austin Idol. And he wrestled the team of Nick Bockwinkel and Jerry Lawler. Pretty interesting debut. What a team that is. Yeah. He adopted the masked wrestler persona known as Lord Humongous, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and he began his career in Continental Championship Wrestling, CCW, in 1987. Uh, on Christmas Day, 1987, he won the NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship, the Northern Division. Um, and he was the last title holder of the beloved NWA Southeastern Heavyweight Championship Northern Division. Um, in 1989, uh, he joined World Championship Wrestling. And uh, he retained the name Sid Vicious. He made his debut by defeating Dwayne Bruce. On June 17th, 1989, episode of Pro. Um, and he was eventually paired with Danny Spivey to form the Skyscrapers. Uh, Dave, what's your number one Danny Spivey tag team? Are you you a U.S. Express Part B guy? Are you a Skyscrapers guy? Are you some I, other Danny Spivey tag team guy? Well, it should be the Skyscrapers, but because of the way my life went with wrestling, it's the U.S. Express Part B. Okay. Because I wasn't watching WCW on a regular basis uh, during the skyscrapers. So uh, in, in hindsight, it's the skyscrapers, but an honest answer, it's the U.S. Express. Managed by Teddy Long, the skyscrapers feuded with the Steiner brothers and the Road Warriors. Uh, it was during this time that he started doing the power bomb, uh, But the team was short-lived, as many Danny Spivey teams are. Uh, but UD was replaced by? Oh, Mean Mark, the yes. Undertaker. Yeah, Mean Mark. Uh, after Cat caught me sleeping there. Yeah. He suffered a broken rib and punctured lung during a match with the Steiner brothers, which really pissed him off because it was getting close to softball season. <laughs> and that's no time to be injured. Uh, but following his recovery, he was introduced on May 11th, 1990, on the NWA Power Hour as the newest member of the... Four horsemen. And he was billed by the ring announcers as being from wherever he damn well pleases. I wouldn't have been able to answer that. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to pause. <laughs> uh, he was joined to be the muscle of the group. Um, and he was initially brought out to counteract the strength of RoboCop at Capital wow. Combat. So, you know, you, you get your big break. You're in the... You're in the Four Horsemen. It's like, well, what do you want me to do, boss? And he's like, I want you to wrestle RoboCop. And you're like, well, wait, was that a movie? And you're like, well, yeah, but it's going to be a Capital Capital Combat. What? Ro RoboCop was over in 1990, but uh, I don't think it really spilled over into uh, WCW at all. RoboCop does not like smokers. <laughs> I uh, can't even. I've seen part one, but I, I can't tell you much about it. I just remember this scene where he like <laughs> just kills a guy who's smoking with like a fire fire extinguisher. Uh, the horseman amicably split in April of ninety one, and uh, when that happened, he he starts to negotiate with the WWF, and despite a huge contract offer and a promise of a championship run, he announces his intentions to leave WCW. But to, before parting, he had a short feud with. Seven foot seven tall. El Gigante. That's right. I'm friends with him on Facebook, actually. He was billed as being eight foot tall. 
Yes. And of course, he did the honors at Super Bowl One. The Pelican Man. And then on April, or excuse me, May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, three days after the birth of my younger brother Anthony, uh, he made his debut in an untelevised segment attacking the Mountie. So that is Sid, and where he ends up from his start to uh, to his run there. What about Sid, Dave? Any thoughts on him pre this run in in the WWF? Well, sure. Like I said, you know, as a, a grade school kid, I was an ultimate WWF kid. If you listen to any of our podcasts before, right? We both are. Yeah, we both. Yeah, thought. it's not too hard to figure that out. However, uh, you know, I, I I thought of WCW as as the enemy. But um, Steamboat was over there. I did, you know, want to peek over there to take, you know, take. I didn't really follow up, but it, he was on. I would take a look at it, and then I remember like seeing Sid like catching my eye, like who the hell is this guy? Like wow, you know. And then, of course, like I always go back to the after mags. That's how I would get to fill my other federations and other territories. Yeah, while well, mom's uh, from, grocery shopping. There you, you go from reading yep. those, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I I knew that you know, the day would come where uh, he'd be over in uh, Titanland for sure. Yeah, I you know my relationship with WCW is similar. Uh, I spent a lot of time at my dad's house, which was actually my grandma's house when I was a kid, and I would often watch WCW Saturday night. You know, the six oh five show, whatever that was. Great called. time, great time slot for wrestling. Yeah, just because it would be like right when I came in. You know, from playing all day and before. No matter we, what you're doing, even if you're shopping, yeah, you know, whatever it is, Saturday's Saturday thing going on, that's a perfect time. Yeah, it was right there. So I'd watch that, and I know, you know, when I seen him on there, I remember thinking, "Wow, it'd be really great to see him in Hulk wrestle." I remember thinking he'd be a good, a good opponent for Hulk, and we'll get to that. Sure. We'll get to that later. All right, I wanted to talk a little bit today about the the venues for WrestleMania. With it being WrestleMania season and us covering WrestleMania 8, and of course we've already covered two, uh, WrestleMania 2 as well, in our very first show, the pilot episode. Um, but I want to just go, we'll do 1 through 8 today, and then since we're covering WrestleMania 18 next week, we'll do 9 through 18 next week, or next time. So, obviously WrestleMania 1 is in New York City at Madison Square Garden, so... What can be said about Madison Square Garden, obviously, right? I mean, it's Madison Square Garden. Yeah, uh, we have to give, and that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's hosted three WrestleManias, um, 1, 10, and 20. And I guess I'm a little surprised that it hasn't hosted one since 20. I know why it hasn't. You know, I'm just a little surprised that they didn't find a way or a reason to get it there for, you know, maybe 30 you know, maybe they will think about doing something there for 40. You know, maybe they'll do New York again. And It kind of felt weird, Steve. In 2013, I was at the Hall of Fame at Madison Square Garden, and then WrestleMania is in Giant Stadium, right. Life Stadium. It almost feels like Madison Square Garden was pe- playing second fiddle, you know? Yeah, and it is. Still I mean, being part of it. They don't use it as much anymore because of unions and money and all that. I know they run Barclays a lot. But, I mean, it will always be the number one venue for this federation. Uh, always and forever. Uh, WrestleMania 2, of course, is at three venues and three cities. Uh, New York City, again, but on Long Island this time at the Nassau County Coliseum. And then in Chicago at one of the all-time great wrestling 
uh, buildings, the Rosemont Horizon. And then finally in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. So um, all three of those venues are still open, but barely. Uh, the, NAS- Na- uh, the NASA sorry, Coliseum is on life support. Well, it's uh, a new building. It's it's no longer the uh, the about four or five years ago they made a new uh, knocked it down and made a new building. But next year, you know, it's not going to be in any existence in any form. Yeah, that didn't last. Yeah, so the Rosemont um, also is, you know, still there, still in use, um, but not much. Um, Definitely on its last legs as well. And then, you know, as far as the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, um, as far as I know, they're still using that in L.A., I think. Or are they not? That one might be done. I don't know. I would have bet. Ag- I would bet against it, though. The forum's still there, I believe. Yeah, the forum is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, this one is done. Forum so. and Staples Center. So, yeah, but, you know, an interesting... Any thoughts? Any of the, have you been to the Nassau Coliseum? Been oh any, yeah, yeah, plenty of times. The old one, not not the new one. That was maybe I'm wrong. Maybe around. It was in the past ten years that they they built it, knocked it down and built a new one. But I've never been to the new one. The old one, you know, I've seen Motley Crue a bunch of now, times. I think there. the one that's there is just been renovated, and the one you're thinking of opens next year. Hmm. Okay, I got to look into that. In two thousand here, in 2015, the arena temporarily closed for a major renovation which was completed in April of 2017. That's it, then. In June of 2020, NASA Coliseum was closed indefinitely as its owner sought new investors, putting the Islanders' plans to, re- to, return, to, the full, to return to the arena full-time in doubt. In August 2020, a new leaseholder took over the arena who agreed to let the Islanders play their home games there. Um, the team plans to move... Um, I just clicked on a picture. The team plans to move uh, to the USB arena at Belmont Park upon its completion. So it's the end of the era for the Nassau Coliseum here. It's in its last days. Uh, But it is still the original one. It's just that it closed for a couple years for a mega renovation between 15 and 17. I remember Billy Joel played the concert that was to be the last event there. Yeah, my my friend Donor, he... um... He was there with a date years ago, and it was he. He was one of those people where they come up to him and say, "Hey, Billy Joel's gonna move. He wants to move you and your date down to the front row." Like Billy was doing that, and Donor thought it. He thought it was a scam, and he and he's like told the guy to go get lost, and he realized it later. So that kind of sucks, but I'll always I'll always remember that that happened at Nassau, and uh, yeah, I saw all the nitros they did over there because they okay. weren't doing uh, they weren't doing nitros uh, in the Meadowlands or MSG. And, uh, yeah, I saw the crew there. I think I saw Weezer there. Not that I'm much of a fan of theirs, but I wound up at that concert. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a ride for me, especially if you're going at rush hour. But uh, it's still a local venue. Yeah, the um, the Rosemont is now called the Allstate Arena. Um, so it's still there, but under a new name, Allstate Arena. And when I went to watch my brother play in the USHL in Chicago, my hotel was right across from it. And the WWF had Raw there. On Monday, we, my brother played on Friday and Saturday, and on Monday was going to be Raw in that arena, so that was kind of cool. And then, um, what, what year was that? That was uh, two thousand and it was the 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 winter of two thousand ten, February two thousand ten. Oh, uh, I was gonna say if it was two thousand two, it would have been maybe when uh, 
the Hulkster and the NWO ran over the rock with the uh, 18-wheeler out in the parking lot. Yeah, many famous, obviously, matches there, including we'll talk about WrestleMania 13 being there as well. Mm. Um, all right, WrestleMania 3. I think we've, we've done justice to these ones, I think. Uh, the, oh, last thing about the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. If there was any doubt on whether it was still open, it was demolished on uh, September uh, 1st, 2016. So There you have it. Tough to have an event when you're demolished. Uh, WrestleMania 3 was at the Pontiac, Michigan, to outside of Detroit, the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, this venue, sadly, is gone. Um, there's some cool pictures online that you can find. People snuck back in there after it had clo- been closed for years and took pictures of its rotting carcass. Uh, but some really cool cool pictures to be found there on the internet. Uh, I went to see Pearl Jam in Detroit in 2006. And was that was at the um, Auburn Hills, the Palace. And we were driving down the highway there. And I saw Pontiac, Michigan. I saw the dome. So I got off the highway. And I went and I pretended to slam my friend in the parking lot. And, you know, I got as close as I could to the building and got a picture. There's some cool security guards who let us kind of walk up kind of to the front where it kind of was behind us. But it was already long closed at that point. But, um, yeah, so that beautiful venue is, is no more. The home of many great moments from Barry Sanders and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Any thoughts on the Silverdome, Dave? Yeah, unfortunately, I never got to see it, you know, in person, never been inside, never been outside. Uh, only time I've ever been in, in Michigan, actually, um, my buddy Tim, you know, Tim is a big uh, Kiss fan. And uh, we drove out there with a bunch of people to see Kiss in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is kind of right outside of Canada. Yep. And uh, my girlfriend at the time gave me a few Xanax to take for the rides. I don't want to take this ride. I want to go, but. And I took the Xanax, and I slept from Pennsylvania to Michigan. So that's always an interesting <laughs> story to bring, to, to bring up. That was before my drug days. So I couldn't handle it at the time. That sounds uh, well, right. There, there's no drug days anymore. <laughs> let, me, let me just be, uh, be uh, perfectly clear here. Yeah, but never got to see the Silverdome, man. That, that's a bummer for sure. It, uh, it opened on August 23rd, 1975. Um, and then, of course, it closed in January of 2013 for good. Um, it was closed in February of 2006, and then it was sort of open again for a little bit because it was bought for $2 million or something. But then it closed for good, and then it was demolished on April 4th, 2017, and then they finished the job of demolishing it in April of 2018. It cost $55 million to make, or $321 million, 2019. And of course... If it's not most famous for WrestleMania 3 or for a Detroit Lions game, it's got to be most famous for hosting the Pope. Yeah, or Jesse the Body of Vitor was saying Rolling Stones as well. Or the 1994 FIFA World Cup. There you have it. Yeah. And the Pistons played there. And, uh, you know, quite the venue. All right. It's funny how a lot of people don't know WWF after WrestleMania 3 started running house shows at the Silver Dome. To uh, diminishing returns, let's just say. Yeah, well, you're never gonna, never gonna get the kind of crowd for yeah the crowd there. But it was also a different configuration when they would run it, and it'd be a you know half the roster or, yeah. or you know quarter I mean, of the roster. The Pistons played there, and they would configure it with a with a sheet down the middle, so they'd yeah. almost turn it like into an arena size. 
Uh, and that's why those numbers, like you'd see, oh, man, they only had 12,000. Must have looked so empty. Well, not really because they would partition the arena to uh, partition the building to look like an arena. Yeah, they do that with the Alamo Dome for all touring bands for some reason. I don't know if San Antonio don't have an arena or something, but they uh, almost every time a band is on tour, they play the Al- you know, an arena tour. They play the Alamo Dome and do just what you mentioned. Yeah. Now the WrestleMania four and five, of course, uh, were in the same building. <sighs> Uh, and it's a polarizing one in terms of WrestleMania. Um, the uh, the Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino. It's now called Boardwalk Hall. Um, so it's still open. And um, in 2013, uh, my brother played hockey game there. Um, oh, wow. Awesome. Part of the ECAC playoffs. We're at Boardwalk Hall. Uh, and he had a hockey game there. Uh, a couple couple weeks before becoming a national champion, he played at the Boardwalk Hall. So that's pretty cool. When I went to see Pearl Jam at the Borgata in 2005, I went to check it out and kind of walked around and uh, got to see it. So any thoughts or memories for you at the uh, Trump Hotel and Casino, the venue, your thoughts on it? Have you ever been there, anything like that? Sure, yeah. The uh, venue just got knocked down. Uh Named after my uh, very dear, close, special, longtime friend, President Donald Trump. Um, I've been there. I've seen Kiss and Def Leppard there in the Boardwalk Hall. And, uh, you know, been outside so many times. Anytime I'm in Atlantic City. One time, me and my friend uh, Ryan Cummings from Reviews from the Tub, we got in. I uh, One of those those things where Gorilla, Bobby and Gorilla, was pushing at the, begin- at the beginning of primetime wrestling during opening credits. They, he pushed them in, like, that wagon down the boardwalk. You know, we... We reenacted that on Atlantic City Boardwalk and filmed it. I wish I could get my hands on a video. And, uh, yeah, just a uh, legendary, legendary place. Uh, a lot of people don't like it for WrestleMania. I like it for WrestleMania 4. I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with the, tourn- the tournament aspect of it. But uh, as we're going to get to two in a row, it may be a bit overkill, in my opinion. Okay, yeah. I, I really liked it as you know for a wrestling venue. Uh, you said it's knocked down. I don't. I don't have any knowledge. Not the, not the venue. Just the uh, oh, the, the hotel, Trump the Trump art. Yeah. yeah, the casino. Yeah, um, lots of cool events here. Of course, the Miss America pageant was there for years. Um, the 1964 Democratic National Convention was there. Please. Um, the Rolling Stones played there. Bruce Springsteen, obviously. Bon Jovi, obviously. Fish played Please. there. Um, Britney Spears, Lady Gaga. Please. Uh, Journey, The Who, uh, 21 Pilots. I'm not aware of them. No idea. And, of course, if it's known for anything, most famously, and it's not WrestleMania, it's got to be the Mike Tyson fights, right? He had had several there uh, as champion, including uh, his fourth-round knockout of Larry Holmes. Big one, Michael Spinks. And I was going to say, yeah, maybe his most famous fight. The 91-second knockout of Michael Spinks. So, cool venue. You say you like it more for four than five. You want five to be an arena, huh? What are your thoughts there? Uh, not an arena. I want five to be in a stadium. Or that's what I meant Mega- to say. Yeah. 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 The mega power is exploding. You know, we had three in the big stadium, six in the big stadium, and now we're coming up with eight, which is kind of 50-50 should have been in the stadium or not. This is the one that should have been in a big stadium. It should have had those carts going down to the ring, like three and six. I think it kind of... Although this is five is a great WrestleMania, I think just the same setting 
took away from it only a little bit. You know, since we're talking about this, this is the only reason why I would bring it up. But uh, that's my opinion. I think this one should have been a, a stadium show. 89 was one of the WWF's biggest, most prosperous years. Well, WrestleMania six uh, was at the Toronto Skydome. Uh, still very much still there and still in heavy rotation uh, at this point. Still the home of the Blue Jays, uh, now called the Rogers Centre. Uh, this was just barely built when when the um, WrestleMania was there. And it's the first time I was there, that's for sure. And I that is so cool that you were there, man. I remember standing outside of it and just looking at it and thinking like, holy shit, this place is massive. I know we don't have the, the time today because we're doing all this WrestleMania 8 stuff, but I, I want to set aside a show, I guess our WrestleMania 6 show. I just want you to say everything from the time you got there yeah. until the time you left. I'll keep my mouth shut. We'll definitely I just do that. Listen. I just want to listen, man. It opened June 3rd, 89, so it only been open for about six months or whatever, or nine months when this when this show happened. 570 million. A Blue, J- a Blue Jays game, like they saw a couple having sex, yep. like with the whole town, yeah. like connected. In yeah. the American <laughs> League, a playoff game, the American League Championship Series against the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, a couple were banging in the um, in the hotel. And, Wild. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. This place is massive. Um, it's right in downtown Toronto. It's not far from the Air Canada Center. Um, you know, it's right right in the heart of downtown Toronto. A really cool place. Actually, I have kind of a sad story. Um, about it so this kid that was playing on my brother's roller hockey team uh, him and his dad they decided to go to opening day in toronto and they're waiting in line outside the sky dome it's a dad and his son he's maybe 12 years old and the dad passed away right in the oh my god right in the line there and um and this guy comes running up like oh i'm a doctor you know i'm gonna help him and robbed him took his oh my goodness watching his wallet what do you have a heart attack yeah yeah you know shit like this steve you might not know me know me as that this about me it's gonna stick with me that story that's gonna stuck it sticks with me it sticks with me you know that was probably 15 years ago you know and i still think of it and and god bless this kid he went on to play d1 hockey at cornell yeah he thought just like he thought he was gonna have to quit hockey because he didn't have his dad and kind of the hockey community in Buffalo kind of rallied around him and helped him. He took it all the way to D1 hockey at a school at Cornell, and I think he's a lawyer now. So Yeah, my uncle, uh, Tito, who, who we speak of, we almost had a similar thing, but thank God uh, it didn't happen. We were at the Bronx Zoo with my sister Lisa and Anthony Pagano. It's in 1992, the year of our uh, year of our show, and he was kidding around with it. We thought he was kidding around with us, saying, I need to sit down on a curb. He went and ran and got some Cracker Jacks because he was a jokester, and he was like, having some kind of a his art he got better he made it home but he ended up needing a triple bypass Holy. ended up living ended up living into his 80s but that was it was a very scary thing it reminded me reminded me of that uh they have concerts there like i said the blue jays play there you know a lot of memorable blue jays moments have happened there um cool venue like i said a lot of concrete um very big and if you're in a nice seat there you're sitting what's known as the getty lee seats all right. Yeah, that's all-time great. How they refer to it. All right. Uh, WrestleMania Seven was, of course, at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena uh, after it was changed out of where they originally planned on having it, which was in a stadium. You know, they were going to take uh, this to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, 
and have 100,000 people in the stadium there, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. Security, they say, lack of ticket sales maybe is the truth, but it ended up being at uh, the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, which we've already talked about. Yeah. It hurt the show, I think. I mean, it's WrestleMania 7 is a great show, but imagine that in a big stadium. I didn't know until, like, I don't know, four matches into the card. I'm like, they're not in a stadium. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, I think I said that. I think I've said this. Did you? In our archives. I may have. Okay, maybe I was too embarrassed to say it. But, yeah, I was the same way. You know, I didn't didn't know. Uh, WrestleMania 8, which we're going to cover a bit today at the Hoosier Dome. In Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, this is no longer there. Um, closed down. They have a new dome there now. Has the new dome had WrestleMania? I don't think it has, right? No, WrestleMania has not been back to Indy. Okay. Well, they got a beautiful new dome that they could have it in now. But uh, this dome, the Hoosier Dome, um, was constructed in 1982. They broke ground. And it opened on August 5th, 1984. Uh, it closed on February 26, 2008, and was demolished in December of 2008. So it didn't last as long as you might think. Hmm. Um, cost $77 million to build, or $191 million in 2019 dollars. Uh, and it was home, of course, to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, many playoff games uh, there. Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Chicago Bears played a preseason game there in 84. Uh, the football playing service surface was AstroTurf, switched to field turf, um, and it was replaced by a new retractable roof stadium called Lucas Oil Field, Lucas Oil Stadium in 2008. Uh, the dome itself was replaced by additional space for the adjacent Indiana Convention Center. Um, it did host... The AFC Championship game in 2006, it's a Colts one. Um, it hosted divisional playoff games in 99, 05, and 07, and wild card games in 03, 04, and 06. Uh, basketball games, um, it hosted those. Uh, final fours, one, two, three, four final fours, 91, 97, 2000, and 2006, and a women's final four in 2005. Um, and concerts, good concerts. We got Farm Aid in 1990. Uh, the Monsters of Rock Festival with Van Halen and Metallica. Uh, awesome. Pink, Pink Floyd played a reunion show there. Uh, the Re- Rolling Stones played there. Um, so that is that venue, the RCA Dome. I'd never never been there, never seen it. Don't have any personal thoughts on it. But I thought it looked cool as a venue for WrestleMania, even though in the light you could tell it was a little empty because... As Grill and Bobby say, because of a traffic jam, and usually you think that's bullshit from what, what I hear, that that was true, that the fans were having a really hard time getting into the venue. Yeah, I mean, it was a little spotty on top, but I, it, looked, it looked pretty full. I would say 80%, but there's a lot, there was like 10,000 freebies. Uh, this may have been a time where they may have thought about going back to an arena, but this is when they went to the stadium. Kind of didn't make sense. And uh, I kind of missed the carts. I don't know why they don't have the carts there. Cause this same. Is the closest re- yeah, same. Yeah. This one resembled WrestleMania three the most, even more than six. The, the With the dome, you know, the light during the day and all. 
And um, yeah, it, but it adds to it. This is a great WrestleMania, and I think this is part of the reason why. I think the domes really, uh, sure. or the stadiums and domes really, really help it for All the right. magnitude. Of the first eight manias, give me the top three and the bottom three venues. Okay, uh, top three venues. Number one will be the Pontiac Silverdome, 93,173. Uh, number two, Madison Square Garden. And, I'm sorry, I, I messed that up. Number one, Silverdome is my number one. Madison yeah. Square Garden is my number two. And now my number third, uh, my, my number three is, <laughs> I got to think about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, hit me with that off guard. Okay, my one, uh, my one is also the Silverdome. My number two is the Sky Dome. My number three is the Garden. So we're just off on that one flip there. Uh, my bottom three, you know, would probably be, well, Nassau would be in the bottom three. A place is a dump. Didn't do anything for me at WrestleMania 2. Especially didn't have, the, didn't have it lit up. Back and they then, had yeah. the worst part of the show, too. So didn't have great matches. Terrible. Yeah. So that would probably be dead last. Um. Then maybe, maybe the LA is second last, and then maybe the Hoosier Dome. Hmm. Because I like. I mean, what are you gonna put in the bottom three? If you don't put the Hoosier Dome there, what are you putting there instead? The Atlantic I'm, City. I'm not putting that. I'm putting Atlantic City only because of the overkill. Yeah. See, I'm not. I like that venue too much. So I, I guess I gotta, I gotta put. Put the uh, the Hoosier Dome there. So I got uh, AC for three. Number two worst is um, LA. And then number one would be uh, Nassau County Calcium. All right. Well, all this talk has me really excited about WrestleMania. But before we can get to WrestleMania 8, we got to find out what the Hulkster was up to. Uh, what was Hulk doing in April or maybe late March of... Uh, of this time period, Dave. What do you got for us? What, okay, we what's got, Dave? What was the Hulkster doing? We got some busy stuff, my man. Uh, February 1st, it was announced on WWF Superstars of Wrestling that uh, the new WWF champion, Ric Flair, will be defending against Hulk Hogan at that famous press conference where Sid rip, ripped up his speech. <laughs> but then the following week on Saturday night's main event on Fox, uh, Hulk Hogan teamed up with Sid against The Undertaker and Ric Flair and Sid turned on Hulk. I like when that kid in the crowd had a sign, Justice Will Be Served, and he tore it up. I thought that added to it so well. Whoever you are out there, if you're listening to that, get in touch with us. Uh, then fast forward to the next week on Superstars. February 15th, Mean Gene on the update announces no more Hogan Flair for the title because it went down on Saturday Night's Main Events. It's now going to be Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice at WrestleMania, and Flair will now defend his title against Macho Man Randy Savage. One interesting tidbit here is that Gene said a possible surprise ref for the Hogan-Sid Justice match would be happening. They love doing that. Did that with WrestleMania 3, too, and then just forgetting about it. Okay, so there's all that information. Now let's hit the road. Uh, March 1st in Banger, Maine, WWF champion Ric Flair defended against Hulk Hogan. Hulkster won that one by a countout, so it doesn't win the title. March 7th, Rosemont. Horizon, Chicago, Illinois, in front of 7,500 people. The team of Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper defeat Ric Flair and Sid Justice when Hulkster pins Ric Flair. March 9th, Mobile, Alabama, the Civic Center of Superstars taping. Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper over Ric Flair and Sid Justice again. 
This match can be found in the 1992 Battle of the Superstars Coliseum video, as well as the Immortal Hulk Hogan Coliseum video. Uh, on this taping, it was announced that uh, Piper's Pit would be returning. Uh, this, for the April 11th Superstars, that's how far in advance they were taping. On the April 11th Superstars, which was taped that day, they announced Piper's Pit would be returning to TV, and it never happened. They, they did some uh, stuff there at the taping with the Brooklyn Brawler and Bret Hart, but uh, never made TV, which is interesting. March 10th, Biloxi, Miss, uh, Mississippi, wrestling challenge taping, Hogan and Piper again over Flair and Sid. Uh, this match, Hogan and Piper against Flair and Sid uh, with the same ending, Hogan uh, pinning Flair, went on to uh, many, many uh, arenas. I'm just going to read down the arenas. March 14th in Memphis. March 15th at the Oakland Coliseum in front of 13,000. March, March 15th at the San Diego Sports Arena in front of 5,800. March 20th at the Philly Spectrum, 11,500. March 21st at the Richfield Coliseum. March 22nd at Maple Leaf Gardens in front of 6,500. Then March 23rd at Madison Square Garden, the last show to air on the MSG Network, aside for some weird one-off in 1997. Uh, Hogan and Piper over Flair and Sid, and this was the Hulkster's last match in Madison Square Garden for 10 years, and Piper's last match for two years. Uh, and a funny note, uh, this show, like I told Steve, uh, the in late 91 into 92, the MSGs were no longer airing live on MSG. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, this, yeah, this show, it was a Monday night, March 23rd. It did not air until that Sunday, March 29th. And it aired simultaneously with the March to WrestleMania 8. And that was kind of driving me nuts. So uh, that happened. And then just a couple more L.A. sports arenas in front of 7,000. Sacramento and Palace of Auburn Hills. Same match. Hulk and Piper over Flair and, Sa uh, Flair and Sid. I love that Hulk and Piper, who were both leaving the company for a while, went out together uh, beating Flair and Sid all over the country. Amazing. Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely Thank done. Thank you. All right, I always love that that section of the podcast. Give David a chance to shine and find out uh, what the Hulk was up to. All right, with that said, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to read the news from April of 1992, and then we're going to get into it. WrestleMania 8 from the Hoosier Gnome in Indianapolis, Indiana. You ready, Dave? Ready to rock. All right, let's take a break. The World Wrestling Federation proudly presents WrestleMania! Rick Flair defends the title against the number one contender, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The maniacal Sid Justice goes one-on-one -on -one with the immortal Hulk Hogan in what could prove to be Hulk Hogan's farewell match. It's a double main event. It's WrestleMania. Indiana! Welcome to the Hoosier Dome! Welcome to WrestleMania 8! I thought you knew how to do it. Okay. Hey, now, and what's up to Terry and Parker? Paula doing it today. So. <laughs> Paula had to get us started. She insisted yes. on doing the open there. 
Yeah, because I'm good at it, and I just started a new one, so I probably can do it. We don't know where she was the first two segments, but she just showed up out of thin air. Here you go. Here for this one. All right, we're back. It's the next day. I needed a break. Uh, Sometimes I'm too old for for a straight-through podcast. Uh, but we're back, and it's my favorite part of the day, Dave. It's Wait time a minute. To- Before well, you get into uh, the, that, uh, the next day, I've been sitting here waiting for you all this time. I told you I wasn't going to be back. Oh, I fell asleep in my chair here. You clown. I haven't eaten much. All I had was a cold uh, beer. I mean, a warm beer now. Jesus, Steve. All right, let's get into the news, huh? All right. April of 1992. It's time to read the news. I have something so magnificent to tell you. Listen. I, I'm here. Listen, I have, we can do the news now. It's all right, everyone. I want to talk to you about we can, it. We can do the news. Hold on. Everyone, why are we all standing around? Let's go. Ron, we just did it. Veronica filled in for you. What? Listen, sweetheart, we were so worried about you, and we waited as long as we could, but... Darling, I did the news, and I nailed it. I nailed it. Wait, wait, Veronica. Please tell me this is some kind of sick... Tasteless joke is... You weren't here. Why are you being this way? Why can't you just be proud of me as a peer and as my gentleman lover? Oh, jeez. I can't believe you did this to me. You read my news. I told you that I wanted to be an anchor. I told you that. I thought you were kidding. I thought it was a joke. I even wrote it down in my diary. Veronica had a very funny joke today. I laughed at it later that night. I can't believe that I cared for you. Get out. Just go. We are through. Through. Because of your actions, you scorpion woman. All right. April 1st, the battleship USS Missouri, on which the Japanese surrender took place, was decommissioned. So the USS Missouri, a World War II famous ship from there. Good night. You sunk my battleship. Also, on April 1st, NHL players began the first strike in its 75-year history. Ten days of action earns large playoff bonus increase, more control over licensing of their likeness, and changes to free agency. Well, I got some news. Oh, you got news, Paula? Mm-hmm. Oh, Paula's got some news. Paula's going to read the news. I was on the, you know, all right, you keep planning your news. I'll keep reading mine. You let me know when you're and ready. An NHL strike. Steve, poor, poor 12-year-old Steve Bennett must oh, have thought that was an April Fool's joke. I remember it very well, and I was not happy. And it was a long, oh. a long 10 days. I remember it very well. Uh, also on April 1st, Billy Idol was fined two grand for hitting a woman. Man, Don't I, you I, talk to Billy Idol like that. That must be a mistake. I'd like a little bit more context there. <laughs> April 2nd, Mafia boss John Gotti is found guilty of five murders, plus, awesome. conspi- plus conspiracy to murder, loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion. Oh, just that? That's all. He, yeah. he got off a bunch of times, I believe, uh, prior, right? Yes. Late 80s and stuff. And also, I want to throw in about that, uh, Johnny Sack on The Sopranos. I believe the whole and you know in season six B uh, when he dies of cancer in the hospital, you know that happened to John Gotti. So I think that's obviously where they got that uh, story from for our favorite cigarette smoking Johnny Sacramoni. And there's R.I.P. A, there's a lot of that in The Sopranos, and I think I talked about this on the Sportscasters once. 
about how, you know, I do a lot of things on the sportscasters that are, you know, a wink or a nod to some of my famous, my favorite famous broadcasters. And like, I would get self-conscious about that. But then when Talking Sopranos started and they would say, oh, they did this because of The Godfather. Oh, they did this because of Goodfellas. Or, oh, this is a wink to that. This is a wink to that. I got less, you know, less self-conscious about saying, hey, now, you know, in honor of, um, in honor of Howard Stern. Well, that, that connects to professional wrestling even. All, a lot of the angles were always done, you know, in the 50s or 60s or in another territory. So it all comes back around. You know what I mean? So it's all good. All right, a couple of baseball ones. On April 3rd, the first exhibition game at Camden Field, the Orioles beat the Mets, one of the most beautiful baseball stadiums there is. Still there, of course. I've seen it. April 4th was game one of the Mayor Challenge. The New York Yankees beat the New York Mets 6-4 to four at Yankee Stadium. Uh, and they do that for real in uh, eight years. A real mayor challenge. Well, like mayors come out and like have a battle royal <laughs> in the, the World Series. No, they okay. do it in the World Series. It's interesting because they have the same mayor. So That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> it's, I think just the mayor set it up probably. He's a big, it was, this is the Giuliani era, I think, right? By 92, was Giuliani there by 92? Yes, yeah, he was starting to clean up uh, the area for and sure. And big baseball right. guy, so. Yeah. And this is pre... Oh, the ma- I get it, the mayor, so he's like the host of it. Not yeah. Mayor. <laughs> the mayor's like going at it. And okay. he, uh, this is before interleague play, so the Yankees and Mets weren't playing every year, six games at this time. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Yep. Oh, we always got to get a theater closing in. April 5th, Search and Destroy, based on the Metallica song, I believe, closes at <laughs> Circle in the Square Theater in New York City after 46 performances. April 5th, the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Stanford beats Western Kentucky 78-62. to uh, Cardinal guard Molly Goodenboer was the most outstanding player, which is just absolutely fantastic news. Game yeah, two. Yeah, like a lot of fun. Uh-oh, game two of the Mayor Challenge, April 5th. The Yankees, they sweep them out 6-5 at Shea. Uh, so get used to um, Yankees traffic. That's the one thing about you being a New York, New Jersey guy, you know, a New Jersey, New York guy. Maybe a better way to put it. I can't believe you go Mets. Well, no, not necessarily. I'm, I'm just obviously not a big, you know, sports fan. But my dad, you know, the family is Giants fans because of, you know, in baseball, San Francisco Giants because sure. they used to be New York. New York. He's he stuck with them. Uh, I guess if I was a bigger sports fan, we'd we we'd have Yankees or Mets. I don't know what it would be. You well, know but what I the, mean? I probably but the thing with it being the Giants, then I would think you definitely would go Yankees to stay out of the National League. You stay out of the National League, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I, you know my cousin Marie, uh, RIP, was was a Mets fan, so I would. So when you're not that into it, I try not to go against. You know what I mean? Anybody sure. like who I'm with. The football is different. I'm a Giants fan. That's it. I actually watch football. You know what I mean? Maybe not to the degree of some people, but I you know, I know what's going on and I watch it. But the other sports, you know, I'm not going to be like just a jerk off just to go against the, the grain with people. Well, well since, that's about that. Since it's listed here, I'll mention it. April 5th, WrestleMania 8 at the Hoosier Dome. Last time they were in here, they, they had false information, but I think they got it right this time. Uh, Hulk Hogan defeats Sid Justice by DQ and Randy Savage beats Ric Flair. We'll talk about both of those more uh, later. That sounds right. April 6th, opening day at Camden Yards. Uh, Baltimore Orioles beat the Cleveland Indians 2 to nothing. Shout out to Peter Winson, a lover of all things Baltimore Orioles. 
The man. Uh, that night, a game I remember very, very, very well. Uh, the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Duke beats Michigan 71-51. Back-to-back titles uh, for the Blue Devils and Coach K. And Buffalo's own Christian Leitner. Yeah, I remember a lot of Duke like apparel being around at this. Oh you know, yeah, this Duke era was hot. The 90s, yep, they were sure. hot. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, this is interesting. April sixth, Microsoft announced that Windows three point one uh, was available, upgrading from Windows three point So this is pre Windows ninety five, obviously, kind of you know before everything now, changed with personal computing. Even computers. I have a more updated version than that by now. <laughs> Which is a miracle. Yeah. Um, April 8th, after 151 years, Britain's Punch Magazine publishes its final issue. I will admit I've never read a a uh, Punch Magazine myself. Now, that, that could go a lot of different ways. It could go one way, but I know Paul is on the line, so I'm not going to uh, say that. But you could, <laughs> use your imagine, you could use your imagination, but uh, it's probably a boxing magazine, right, I would imagine? Yeah, I, that's my guess. I have no idea, though. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the U.K., April 9th, John Major selected prime minister after his conservative party wins the most votes in British electoral history. Um, April 9th, the record 18 golfers shoot in the 60s in the first round of the Masters. So we'll see who wins that on the, uh, well, I guess the 13th probably will be the last day of that. April 10th, 25 dies. exciting. 25 die in a bomb, a bus bombing in Sri Lanka. It's just horrible. Bus bombing. Wow, terrible. Uh, April 10th, praise the Lord, the NHL strike has ended. There you go. Steve Bennett's horrible April Fool's joke is over. That's right. Thank God. Um, April 12th, because we've done things like this in the past. uh, The second lowest NBA scoring game. The Pistons, 72, and the Knicks, 61. Uh, April 12th, uh, the 56th Masters Tournament at Augusta. Fred Couples wins his only major title, two strokes ahead of the 1976 champion, Raymond Floyd, who won four majors. Nice gentleman. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, an earthquake in Germany on April 12th. Yeah, Earthquake was big in Germany. He had uh, his own metal band. He used to go over there in Germany. As sure. Well. Too bad they never got over here into the States. But, right. uh, yeah, Typhoon had to go on, out on his own for a while there while Earthquake was uh Rocking and Europe. rolling, yeah, rocking yeah. and rolling, yeah. It's incredible. He's a comedian now, I believe, Earthquake. Earthquake is an a African-American comedian. American comedian, which is weird because he was a white wrestler. Yeah, well, this day and age, anything's possible. But he definitely had that voice for metal. <laughs> Uh, let's see, April 12th, an interesting one. Matt Young throws a no-hitter against Cleveland, but loses the game 2-1. to one. Figure that out. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Another earthquake on the 13th, this time in the Netherlands. See, he's big everywhere, mm-hmm. except for the States. One of those deals. Oh, big day for me on April 13th. Crystal Pepsi begins test marketing in Sacramento, Providence, Denver, Dallas, and Grand Rapids. Right now, it's your tomorrow. It's a beverage that would change my life. Remember remember I was telling you, I'm like, yeah, I never got to have it when uh, it rebooted a couple of years ago. Then I'm scrolling through my Instagram. It's picture of me drinking one. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Man, I was more screwed up than I thought. 
But apparently I did have the reboot of Crystal Pepsi. April 15th. It's a very unique taste. April 15th, Jay Leno's final appearance as permanent guest host of The Tonight Show. I I remember this. His first appearance. Final final appearance as permanent guest host. Oh, okay, guest host. Okay, when did when show. did it switch over for to oh, him for good? Shortly after that, I'm sure. Very short, yeah. very shortly after this. Yeah, I think uh, I think Johnny left in May sometime. May, so we probably yeah. never going to get the news there. We're not going to be covering. Uh, there's no house shows, no nothing to cover in May of 1992, unless we do a Nassau Coliseum Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior match or something. Yep, April 15th, uh, New York Islanders coach Al Arbor coaches the most NHL games, 1,438. Um, April 16th, the New York Rangers win a record 50th game, but of course it's 1994, not 1992, so uh, this Rangers team here ends up flaming out in the playoffs. Uh, no, yeah. no Stanley Cup for the 50-win uh, Rangers. Um, April 20th, the 100 episode of Dave's favorite sitcom, Murphy Brown, aired. Candace Berg, Murphy, and I never watched Murphy Brown, I have no you know a lot about it but uh i wonder if that was something i could go back on now and, and would enjoy my mother enjoyed it april yeah it was it was definitely a mother's type of show april 20th an all-star concert in memory of freddie mercury was held at wembley stadium yes sir i remember this well it was on um uh it was on fox you know channel fox at night a condensed version but mtv showed like the whole thing i don't know the next weekend taped and I, I remember when uh, Elton John did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and you know me and all my friends, sixth graders, sitting around watching it. Then you know when it gets after the Galileo Galileo part, and the song speeds up, Axl Rose comes running out singing, oh, "You yep. could stone me." It's been wild, you know, big big pop. Well, I'll never forget that. Yeah, let's see who else performed. Metallica um, performed "Enter Sandman," "Sad but oh, True," and "Nothing Else Stone Matters." Cold. They didn't do "Stone Cold Crazy." Surprise. Uh, well, this is you know, slow your roll. Slow your roll. Shut your mouth. So earlier in the day, these bands performed without Queen. Metallica went on first. Then Extreme, Def Leppard, uh, Bob Geldof, Spinal Tap, U2, uh, playing on Satellite from Sacramento, California. Uh, Guns N' Roses played Paradise City. Only Women Bleed and Knocking on Heaven's Door. Uh, uh, Mango Groove, Elizabeth Taylor. And then there was a Freddie Mercury compilation of various interactions with the audience. And then the band started to play with Queen. Uh, so Queen and Joe Elliott and Slash, Tie Your Mother Down. Awesome. Uh, Queen and Roger Daltrey and Tony Iommi uh, played Pinball Wizard, I Want It All. Um, James Hetfield and Queen and Tony Iommi, Stone Cold Crazy, as you said. Uh, just a great, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I wonder if that's on YouTube. Now you got me in the mood to watch that for sure. All right, so let's see what else we got here. April 20th, Madonna signs a $60 million deal with Time Warner. Yeah, she gets to me. I'm not a huge fan. I, like I, I said like before, I, like I prefer, music. I prefer uh, Cindy. Uh, April 23rd, McDonald's opens its first fast food restaurant in China. Okay. April 24th. Uh, for Chinese people are usually in good shape. You can throw that out the window. April 24th, George Steinbrenner drops his suit against baseball. No more, uh, no more fighting there. April twenty sixth, Growing Pain says goodbye to us. It's fi- that is my favorite sitcom of all time. Final episode on ABC TV. Yeah, 
the last two seasons I didn't like as much, uh, or was the last season with with um, what's his face, uh, DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, and it kind of. Eh. Also that night, but, uh, the final episode of Who's the Boss? Another great one. Yeah, wow, crazy night for ABC. The they say goodbye to Growing Pains and Who's the Boss. And according to um, Peter Winston and the great Keithy, uh, Judith Light went on to be the Ultimate Warrior. It was perfect timing when the Ultimate Warrior returned and Who's the Boss ended. <laughs> April 26th, the NFL draft, <laughs> and the University of Washington's defensive end, Steve Etman, was the first pick by the Indianapolis Colts, who also had the second pick in that draft and picked Quentin Coriat. Um, oh, this is interesting. April 27th, the Nye Mets trade David Cohn to the Toronto Blue Jays for Jeff Kent. Interesting. I heard trade. of David Cohn. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> for me, come on. That's a check. April 29th, the 27th Academy of Country Music Awards. Big winners that night, Garth Brooks and Reba. Arriba. Arriba McIntyre. Yep. All right. April 29th, crazy day in Los Angeles as the jury acquits Los Angeles Police Department officers on charges of excessive force and the beating of Rodney King, sparking massive riots in the city. April 30th. Is Rodney King's words stand the test of time today? Can't we all just get along? And finally, on April 30th, the 208th and final episode of The Cosby Show. Wow, what a, what a, a couple, what a month for the show. Growing Pains, Who's the Boss, and The Cosby Show. Wild. Three time, times they be a-changing, my brother. All right, Paula, did you have any news before we move on to WrestleMania 8? Okay, let's hear it. What do you got? I got one. Uh, what is, um, the first news. Got to talk right into your mic there, not. Um, the first news I got. Sure. Is um. And that's the news from Paula Bennett. Wait, Good job, honey. What? I kind of forgot my new kind of because I didn't know what I was waiting. Okay, we're gonna move on to WrestleMania eight. Yeah. Can you help me read my... Yeah, we'll read that later. Okay, can yeah. you help me read that? You know what I think you should do? Get organized for emails. I only got organized for emails. Okay, good. I only got it Perfect. All right. WrestleMania 8, as we said earlier, was April 5th, 1992, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Hoosier Dome. The attendance, 62,167. I think they say about 10,000 of that is papered. So about 52000 paid yeah. or so. Uh, and it's the, uh, you know, the flagship event of the year. It started in 85. Uh, so this is the eighth one. And um, by this point, there was the the four pay-per-views, of course, are all running. Um, Reba McIntyre, uh, Ariba McIntyre, sings the Star Spangled Banner before the show. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say just Reba now. I know. <laughs> You're trying to say Reba. He's Here's always, what I wonder. It's always a Reba now. <laughs> was this the first time? Because I, if I recall, Willie Nelson sings "God Bless America," right? So, was this the first time? No, he sang uh, "America the Beautiful." Or that's what I meant. Uh, "America the Beautiful." Was this the first time that they sang the Star Spangled Banner? This is the second time. Take a guess. Now I got you guessing. Oh, no. Guess it's not, it's, I know what it is. WrestleMania 1 with Gene. Mean Gene. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, well, yeah, but it's strange, right? That this Reba, Reba didn't do America the Beautiful. It kind yeah. of, maybe she 
she was used to singing this one. Had it was like maybe her specialty or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's and interesting. Cool. Or maybe she had gas from too many burritos and couldn't belt it out from her brother Tito. Now, of course, the big storyline here is that it's not Hogan Flair, right? Which seems like it should have been. And there was a couple ways this WrestleMania could have went. And, of course, one way is it could have went as Hogan versus Flair. It didn't. There was also some other ideas. Dave, you got some matches that were supposedly floated, not floated. What do you got on this kind of pre-card, pre-mania stuff that they worked out? Okay, before we, uh, you know, obviously the main event would have been uh, World Wrestling Federation champion Ric Flair defending against Hulk Hogan. Uh, we will get into our opinions on why that didn't happen in just a bit. But uh, aside from that, um, that, was an officially, that was officially announced, and two other matches were officially announced in the WWF magazine, which is the new tag team champions of Money Incorporated defending against none other than Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sergeant Slaughter. And then a, a, a Chicago street fight, or an Indiana street fight, whichever you want to call it, the Legion of Doom against the Natural Disasters. So those three, Hogan Flair, the tag title match, and the street fight were officially announced. Uh, then the rumors, other rumors around, uh, would be the blow-off to Jake the Snake Roberts and the Macho Man Randy Savage in some kind of specialty match. I, I would say uh, probably a snake pit match would be my guess. Um, you know, something with no DQ, like that kind of deal. Like the Steamboat, they called that a snake pit match, Steamboat Jake. Um, and then, of course, uh, The Undertaker against Sid Justice. Now, will they will they still have turned Sid Justice? Will they still have turned The Undertaker? Would, you know, would Undertaker still been a heel? Sid face, but that was a rumored match. And uh, Sid claims that he was promised a main event slot at WrestleMania. So maybe it would have been a double main event anyway. With uh, Sid's match, but it'd be hard to have a double main event with one of them being Hogan, Hulk Hogan against Ric Flair. Sure, you know. So some of this Sid stuff, I don't even have to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, th- th- those matches right there, um, five of those, yeah, that uh, look like the original plan for WrestleMania Eight. All right, let's go over the card. First, we have a dark match, and that dark match is the Bushwhackers with Luke and Butch, of course, defeating the Beverly Brothers, Blake and Bo, with the Genius. Uh, at 10 the minutes. crowd under feet. Yep. Yeah. Bushwhackers yep. getting the crowd up for sure. Uh, and then we get to the main card. And uh, we're going to grade them. And we'll also give you Meltzer's grade. See how that looks. Just compare them. See what goes down there. But the first match of the night. Uh, first guy through the curtain is Tito. Uh, he's got the El Matador gimmick. Uh, Bobby's cracking me up with all the uh, Ariba McIntyre jokes. And uh, yeah, it's a, he, she was on her way out of the ring. Yeah, he's on his way in. And he faces Shawn Michaels with sensational Sherry. Uh, Ten minutes and thirty-eight seconds they get. Uh, Michaels goes over in the match. Uh, Meltzer gave it two stars. I thought it was a little bit better than that. I gave it two point seven five. What do you think of this one, Dave? Uh, well, my star rating for it, I gave it two and a half. Just uh, a half comes just from Reba McIntyre walking out of the ring and Tito walking to the ring. Usually when people cross paths, a feud starts. But there they became siblings. As Bobby said, uh, Ariba McIntyre greeting her brother Tito. Uh, the match was good. Uh, this is, these guys were equals this time. A lot of people looking back might think Tito was already a jobber to the stars. But uh, he was the past pro- couple of prior WrestleManias. But the Al Matador gimmick had uh, rehashed him a little bit. 
and uh, he just got done feuding with the Million Dollar Man, so he wasn't jobbing out to anybody yet. This was kind of the start of it. Once he loses here, clean the Michaels, he starts you know, being a little bit more of a jobber to the stars. So you didn't kind of know who to, who didn't kind of know who was going to win. Looking at two, it was good action. I like the Tito says to them, "You got to." He says to Michaels, "You got a booger in your nose." When they're face to face, so he wasn't expecting the camera to pick that up. He was helping out his opponent there, and uh, yeah, it's just a good match, uh, solid action. I, you know, some, one thing with Tito, you've seen these matches a million times, and you still get pissed off when he loses. I just thought so, he made uh, Sean look like a million bucks, so I thought yeah, he did a great Sean, job. Sean, I like Sean as uh, the heel character a, a lot, and um, yeah, Sean was definitely rising up the card, and who better to make him shine than uh, Tito Santana? So did I say it? I gave it two and a half stars. All right, then I believe after this match, uh, there was a podium promo of the Legion of Doom uh, with Paul Ellering. What was the point of this, Dave? Well, the Legion of Doom just uh, dropped the titles on a house show to uh, Money, Inc., kind of out of nowhere because Hawk had a uh, suspension, I guess some kind of uh, drug um, test failures along those lines. And as they were advertised to the local area, the Hoosier, you know, so they the had to get them out there at least. Wanted to see them, so yeah. they had to at least get them out there. They were okay. coming back on the coming back on the road in May anyway. So um, yeah, and then debut easy way to debut uh, Paul Ellering, the Fair. bad apple. Fair enough. He called himself there, and uh, big pop. Yeah, for sure. All right, second match: The Undertaker uh, with Paul Bear defeats Jake the Snake Roberts at six. 36, victim number two in the streak. Um, Not a lot to say about this for me. It wasn't great. You know, sometimes I feel this way about Jake, that some of these big matches, some of his Mania matches, there's not a lot there. I mean, the worst match at WrestleMania 4, for sure. Um, yeah, that's weird. It's yeah. True, though. And uh, some of them not great. I gave it. DB, I gave it one DB and a half. Yeah, one and a half. I gave it. I don't know. Didn't love it. Yeah, brother. For all this, for the angle involved and all the stuff around it, this was boring. You know, yeah. uh, maybe it was the pl- placement on the card being second. Maybe if it was a little later when it was getting dark out. I don't know. Sometimes stuff like that helps, but it just seems like like you're watching it and you're like not watching it. Like something's off with it. So I'm uh, and, and you know what. <laughs> I'll probably get hate mail for this. I, the un- character I respect the shit out of Mark Calloway, but the Undertaker character never made me do somersaults. It never really. I like it, but I don't love it. Just me. I respect it. I think it's you know great, but just not my cup of tea. I give it one star. Yeah, Meltzer gave it 0.75 stars. So he's got to be low on everything just to be low. Yeah. Um. Next up. Ooh, a good one. Bret Hart defeats Roddy Piper. Singles match for the Intercontinental Championship at 1351. Remember, the storyline is Brett had won the belt, but then wrestled the Mountie when he shouldn't have in January. He had the flu, really bad temperature, but he, he just loves the fans. He wanted to give him something, cost him the belt, loses it to the Mountie. The Mountie foolishly puts it up against Rowdy Piper in Albany at the uh, the Royal Rumble, loses it, and then Piper defends it here against Brett at the Hoosier Dome. A great match. Um, I love to watch Brett, and I love Brett's big matches. So I'm always going to be high on Brett. You know, I'm one of the guys, solid five stars for him versus Perfect in 91. I went four and a half here. Love it. Love the match. Love the energy. Love the finish. A really good one. One Brett loves, too. 
Um, and and love just to see Piper. You know, what a great moment for Piper to get pinned in a mania like that. Shoulders down, clean in the middle of the ring. Um, doing the favors for Brett. And uh, love this match. What did you think of it? Yeah, both these guys are in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time, actually. And I loved the little interview they did with Gene beforehand. You know, uh, your mom, she would make those sandwiches for me. Only one slice of bologna, but it didn't matter. I was hungry. You know, Piper saying that to Brett, and Brett just wants his belt back. Priceless stuff. They did a similar uh, thing with Brett and Mr. Perfect, the King of Ring 93. I love these little interviews. Anytime Brett's family is brought up, it's always a lot of fun. And, uh, oh, the matches is fantastic. It's different. You don't really see this style from Piper. So he's a lot like a Hogan. You don't always see certain things they could do, and it just comes out once in a while at certain times. I like that Piper teased uh, turning heel a few times, and then like he picks up the bell to hit Brett with. Even Gorilla's starting to turn on Piper, but then when Piper throws the bell down, the, the bell down, uh, the fans start cheering. It's, you know, it's, it's like Broadway. And uh, how about Brett doing the, uh, the blade job out on the floor and then uh, somehow getting away with it for Vince? I don't know why all of a sudden they weren't allowed to get color. Hogan bled at almost a few WrestleManias prior to this. But uh, the rumor and innuendo is that uh, nobody was supposed to bleed and Flair gets tr in trouble for it a little bit later on. Yep. Awesome match. You never see Piper get pinned. Something. I love seeing different things like this happen. And uh, just great. And uh, Piper uh, disappears after this for quite a while, for a couple of years. He's supposed to come back uh, right after this with Piper's pits, but that never happens. So you don't see Roddy again for another two years. Uh, four and a half stars. All right, next up. What a moment here. <laughs> um, it's an eight-man tag match that's highlighted by the fact that Ray Combs, the uh, host of the Family Feud, comes out and roasts the bad guys in just a hilarious piece of comedy made me feel for for ray you know who is no longer with us passed away via suicide shortly after this very very sad story yeah. sad story you know it makes you look at him you know thinking is he playing the uh playing the the hurt clown here or whatever but sad sad clown sad clown yeah. it's uh the big boss man or virgil sergeant slaughter and jim duggan oh by the way i don't know if i said but Meltzer. Um, you know, can't like anything. He gave three and a half stars uh, to Brett. To Brett? And, what a nerd. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, boss He's man. really out of control. Boss man, Virgil, Slaughter, and Duggan. So Slaughter and Duggan don't get the tag title opportunity. Instead, they're in this eight-man tag, and they're against the Nasty Boys, Repo Man, and the Mountie. Um, and... It's the faces that win at 633. Um, like I said, Combs steals the show here. And the match itself is nothing, really, either way. I gave it one and a half. I uh, thought about, well, I'll go 1.75. Not quite two, but close. Yeah. Um, the, Ray Combs is a really good friend of Bobby Heenan. I used to, my Aunt D loved uh, Ray Combs. I used to watch it. I used to go to her house for lunch uh, when I was in junior high school. We would watch it, you know, to be on at that time of day. And uh, so I have had a little close uh, spot in my heart, especially the way he passed away. It's very sad. Uh, and the wrestlers were on his show all the time. He and the Nasty Boys, the Mountie, Sherry, against the WBF guys. It's hilarious. If you can find those on YouTube, uh, the WWF on Family Feud. Check that out. Peter, but yeah, I love Peter's the, either done an episode on that or wants to do an episode on he, that. I believe I'm, I should know this because that's he, Peter Winston. It's my favorite show. Uh, I believe he has. I'm going to say somebody has. I think it was him. Okay. Oh, uh, anyway. Um, 
the interview beforehand with the heels where it's just the bounty and the nasties and repo man kind of sneaks in. I love that. And uh, it's a fun match. A little bummer. I didn't get to hear the boss man's music. The entrances would have been fun, but we got Ray Combs instead. Uh, Virgil picks up the win. Uh, kind of a little nice nod to Virgil there getting with his uh, mask on after he got choke slammed by Sid Justice and broke his nose on Superstars. Um, fun stuff. You know, you got to squeeze everybody in on WrestleMania and uh, not not in a bad way at all. I'm going to give it two stars. All right. Maybe the match of the night is next. So we don't go with Flair versus Hogan. So we got to do something with him. And, you know, it seems like around this time, Savage is the break glass, you know, in case of emergency. And uh, it's Randy Savage with Elizabeth defeating Flair with Perfect at 18.04 to become a two-time WWF champion. Now, one of the big parts of the build here is Ric Flair kind of brilliantly trolling the Macho Man about Elizabeth, saying he's going to unveil this giant picture of him and Elizabeth at Space Mountain, you know, or wherever. Uh, But this is one of the great WrestleMania matches of all time in my opinion, and I'm going to probably give it uh, five whole stars here uh, for Savage and Flair, who put on a clinic and a show, and I rewatched it the other day and loved it every bit as much as I did the first time I watched it. Now, of course, Meltzer didn't quite like it that much. He gave it 4.25, which is basically a seven-star rating uh, for Meltzer in 92 for a WWF match. Uh, But I I love it, Uh, and when I filled out my top matches for place to be nation even though my belt got lost got eaten by the internet and i refused to retype it back in it was in my top 10 i hate typing shit in yeah i, I wasn't oh, gonna do God. it i said forget yeah. it um okay man yeah this match i had forgotten how good this match is and it's not you know you give it five stars it's it's a five star match I'm, i give it four and three quarters but might as well just you know five i understand that but it's not five-star matches today. You would think of catches, cast, cast, sand, whatever you call that bullshit, and holds, and blah, 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 and hoot and comrades. This was good wrestling and story. A lot, a lot of story. And Mr. Perfect kept interfering and interfering, and then Elizabeth's running down the drama, and a young Shane McMahon's holding her back. And, uh, you know, um, Chief J. Strongbow was out there holding, him back, holding her back. I'm sorry. Just so much. And then when Macho pins him and then Flair, I can't, but I mean, Macho pin Flair and then Flair, somehow he gets a kiss on the lips on Elizabeth. Now, non kayfabe, how did Randy Savage allow that? That is a big, big shock. You know, they divorced uh, shortly, very shortly after this. Maybe it was that Space Mountain kiss there. Maybe she felt, <laughs> felt something, but yeah, shocking, I don't know. But... Shocking is how notoriously protective he was and guarded, you know, for that. To yeah. Happen. yeah, he must have really liked Flair. But, um, yeah, no, this match is just, just so awesome. I haven't seen it in a while, and I was on the edge of my seat now, and I know just as well as any who's going to win. I know, you know. And um, and I love Howard at the end. He didn't do and new. He goes, and once again, that just makes it all a little bit different, a different feeling. And, oh, my God, what a match. I, re- I recommend this match. This is like a perfect match. Like, you know, Hulk Hogan's my favorite wrestler, so I could be biased. So if I'm going to show somebody a match, maybe I'll show without Hogan. This might be the match. Like this is why I like wrestling. Story, action, blood. It's this match has a little bit of everything. Commentary, Gorilla and Bobby, everything. 
it's just it's yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm not going four three quarter. I'm going five stars. This, this right. match has yeah. This has it all. This is it's just a perfect wrestling match. And what a shame that Flair's only well he you know he comes back in 2002 and has WrestleMania matches, but. You know, the, ori- the original Ric Flair, the younger Ric Flair, this is only WrestleMania match. That's, that's really too bad. Good one. You know, I, I yeah. want to say one other thing about it because, you know, I'm a big Savage Steamboat guy. It's my number one match. Probably will always be my number one match. And it has bothered me over the years that people will say things like, to be cool, they'll be like, that's not even Savage's best Mania match. You know, it's... Versus the Warrior at 7, or it's versus Flair at 8. And, you know, I just watched this the other day. So, it's like, I want to watch Steamboat and Savage now. And I watched that. And, like, I still like Steamboat and uh, Savage better. And I feel even more comfortable saying it's the better one. But I guess my point here is just amazing that Savage has two other matches that you could even think of as coming close to the Steamboat match. Hogan is good. Is great too, and that's without five. that's without even saying anything about the Hogan match at five. Um, I don't know if there's anything, probably nothing at two or four. No, definitely not at two. <laughs> right? Yeah. So no, but yeah, but those four matches, I mean, four four plus star matches at WrestleMania yeah. in the first eight, not bad. The only thing with the Hogan one for me takes a little bit away from it. He kind of knew Hogan was going to win. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So that's the only that's the only little thing. But well, then we'll when, but once you once you're grossed into it, you forget that you think you kind of know he's going to win. Oh, maybe he's not going to. Yeah. You know. So I shouldn't really look at it that way. All right. Which is awesome. Macho Man. R.I.P. Tremendous, tremendous wrestler. Tatanka defeats Rick Martel at four thirty three uh, in a singles match. I I don't know. Um, one and a half, I suppose. Uh. Look, it's a tough spot, right? <laughs> it's a tough spot to follow that match. And um, you kind of feel the crowd is a little spent and not ready. Um, and, you know, they put this in the middle of two championship matches. And championship matches are always so huge at pay-per-views like that. So not a great spot. Um, nothing bad to say about it, but nothing memorable about it either. Just sort of a, uh, you know... A run-of-the-mill WrestleMania match. Yeah, the, uh, I love that during this match. You know, Grill and Bobby are still bantering over the Flair title loss. And that's the whole, that's any, what you do the whole yeah. match is listen and to Bobby. Any, at one point, anything Bobby says, Gorilla just goes, you're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> you're a liar. He said it like seven times. It sounds like a real argument between two friends. Real, not two guys calling a you know fake wrestling match. This is It's insane how good these two are. And how much they help these shows. But uh, yeah, back to Tatanka and Martel. Two of my two guys I like a lot. Uh, Martel, the veteran, was showing Tatanka, the rookie Tatanka the ropes. They were out in the road together as well. Uh, yeah, the match was in a tough spot. Um, not too much going on there. The, the uh, Indian dancers came out at the beginning of it. But rough spot again. People didn't, weren't really paying attention because it just went down before it. Uh, the right guy won. You know, Tatanka was uh, getting about to be pushed. Love the model, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. A star and a half. All right. Time for the tag team title match. It's always one Ooh. of my favorite things at Mania is the tag title match. And this is not the best tag title match in Mania history. No, this is rough. Yeah, the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon, uh, defeated Money, Inc., the champions. 
um, Ted DiBiase and IRS with Jimmy Hart by Countout. Um, so the uh, title doesn't change hands here. And there's not much really to say about this match. Meltzer gave it negative two stars. <laughs> I'm not going to go that crazy. I gave it a half a star. Um, but I guess my question is, eight manias in, is this the worst tag team championship match? Now, consider the one at three. Just consider the heart six-man, Bulldog six-man, the tag title match. This is the worst one so far, right? Without a doubt. I just thought of them all quickly yep. in my head. Yep. So... Uh, um, I think these guys, I think what the problem was, they end up having a little bit better matches together in the future. Uh, the problem here is I think they just weren't ready to work with each other yet. The natural disasters weren't used to being faces. They just turned them. It was all that controversy with LOD getting suspended. They turned, they, Tibiasi and IRS just got put together. They just turned these big monster heels, Earthquake and Typhoon, into faces. I know Typhoon was a face before his tugboat. But I just think it wasn't jiving. It wasn't ready. It wasn't on the road that long together. Uh, just it was just throwing earthquake and typhoon as good guys. Come on, I don't know. That's really, that's not really for me. But um, and I mean, I, like, let's know. just go through them real quick. WrestleMania won. The, it's the first ever tag title. It's the first ever title change at all to WrestleMania. You know, with hey, where's your cane? Well, I didn't have no cane. Uh, didn't have no cane. Yeah, Freddie Blass. He didn't have no cane. And she can. Um, she can Volkov defeat the uh, U.S. Express. A really good match. Maybe the match of the night at WrestleMania 2 is the Bulldogs, you know, the, the Dream Team's nightmare at the Rosemont Horizon. It's a nightmare. Yeah, WrestleMania 3. Surprise, Gorilla don't mention this still at WrestleMania 8 when he sees uh, Brutus. <laughs> WrestleMania 3, <laughs> I absolutely love that 16-tag match. I think it's underrated uh, between the Bulldogs and uh, Tito versus Brett and Anvil and Danny. And yeah, then, a lot of heat. Yeah, D- that, Davis. Davis is a star of that. And this, the way that Dynamite and Davey beat the shit out of him. It's yeah. so good. The running power slam, the pile driver. Oh, I love yeah, that Davey, match. Yeah, Davey was just kicking the shit out of him for sure. Then, back on it now. Yep, then it's three great demolition matches in a row. They win the belt at four. They win the belt at six. And then they defend it against Fuji at uh, five. And then at seven, of course, it's the Hearts and the um, Nasty Nasty's Boys. Nasty's great match. Really great good match. match. So this is by far the worst tag team title match, and it gives this whole WrestleMania a bit of a demerit for me, just because, like I said, in my era, I, I looked to that, the tag team and the Intercontinental matches. What were they on that card? Uh, and it will, you know, when I did the ranking of WrestleManias uh, for the Adams Division podcast with Peter, this mania suffered because uh, it didn't have a very good tag title match. Yeah, it's it's a, like I said, I I think it's just it was just. They weren't used to any of any of it yet. So, all right. Well, we're, yeah. they must have been Russian because they sent Owen Russian Hart, like Nikolai Volkov, like uh, like Volkov or Pavel Bure. Uh, but they're running out of time, so they sent Owen Hart out there and Skinner, and they gave him a minute and thirty six. So, I mean, to me, it's like a superstars match. You know, Malter gives it a dud, but I mean, they didn't do anything wrong, and you know, to me, a dud is some kind of bad match. I don't know. But they don't have any time. I'm just giving it an NA. There's just nothing there yeah, to grade. Yeah, that, yeah, that that is that's stupid. Yeah, for they, sure. They, uh, two good wrestlers, you know, Steve Kern, Skinner. I, I, the gimmick's funny. You know, it's not going to go anywhere, but it's a funny gimmick. And Owen, of course, it is an odd match. I remember when this match got announced on TV. Owen, Jim Neidhart just left in like fe- late February, so he was still on the tag team. And then after this, 
he goes into another tag team with Coco, high energy. So, like, he wasn't a singles wrestler. And you're at a single spot in WrestleMania. I guess uh, Brett might have had a little, little to do with that. But nonetheless, great to see Owen out there and uh, pick up a win at WrestleMania. Uh, I didn't think of the non-applicable stuff, so I gave it a star. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah, and that's fine, too. I just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Hulk Hogan. Uh, defeats- uh, real quick, before yeah. you get there, Steve, I just sure. want to make mention that uh, there was supposed to be one more match. It was announced, uh, the British Bulldog against the Berserker, and it got uh, scratched for timing. Yep. Um, poor Berserker. It happened. I believe it happened to him again at uh, SummerSlam against Tatanka. The match actually happened, but uh, it didn't make the uh, the taped pay per view cut from Wembley. Sure. Too bad. I love. I always love to see the Bulldog. Yeah. Weird that he was really over at this time to get his. Surprised they didn't cut Skinner and let. Yeah. Have yeah. Bulldog power slam Berserker real quick. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Hulk defeats Sid Justice by disqualification at 12-27 when Harvey Whippleman and Papa Shango interfere. Um, the place to be nation.com has a great write-up about this WrestleMania in general, and I'm going to use some of their stuff and go over some of it here. Um, Scott and Justin put this together back in the day. Uh, but this is the first WrestleMania match, and at the time of this writing, the only WrestleMania main event to end disqualification I don't know what year they wrote this and if there's been one since, but at the time of the writing. Um, so there are two stories floating around about the ending of this match and why Sid kicked out of Hogan's leg drop. So Justin and I were talking about this. I want to get you in on it too, um, Dave. As legend goes, Papa Shango is late running out to the ring. He's supposed to break up the pinfall after the leg drop. So Sid and Harvey had to improvise with Harvey jumping in the ring to cause a DQ. That's it. I mean, to me, that's it. There's another story that Harvey and uh, the other story is that Harvey and Shango were legitimately late getting to the ring and said had to kick out to avoid blowing the end of the match. Never been a solid answer to this. So who's no was right. Of course, there have been no mistakes and the match was booked just the way it happened. But the whole sequence does look weird and improvised. So the question is, did they plan it that way or did they have to on the fly, you know, Shake a leg, so to speak. So that's one thing to discuss. Um, the other thing then, of course, is so Papa Shango comes in. Uh, Whippleman causes a DQ. They're putting the boots to Hogan. And then the music hits. And Ultimate Warrior. It's Ultimate Warrior's music. Uh, and this has been used as a meme pretty effectively in the last few months. Gorilla's call here. I'm, I'll play it at some point when I cut this up. But I saw this this video of this like crackhead getting dragged out of a store and he's getting dragged out by like the cops and, and they have, they have, I saw it. did you see that? Then there's yeah, like his crackhead dad runs in behind yeah. him. It's and, the ultimate warrior. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the ultimate warrior comes in <laughs> a noticeably slimmer and trimmer ultimate warrior sending off all kinds of rumors on its own. Judith light. Yep. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, clear the ring and then Hulk must pose and we end, uh, WrestleMania. Now Meltzer again, being Meltzer, uh, gives it negative two stars. Uh, now I'm switching a bit and saying that I'm grading this relative to Hogan matches because that's what we do with Hogan matches, and it's a two for me relative to Hogan matches. If I'm giving it just a regular grade. I'd probably go two as well. I don't think it changes anything, but yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. You know, it's not. 
we've covered some amazing Hogan moments. This is not one of them to me. You know, this is a letdown. You know, it doesn't have a great ending, no matter what the ending was, whether it was a botch or whatever. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, it just doesn't, it doesn't match what we've covered so far. You know, even rewatching it, you know, I do like in the beginning where Hall comes out and they're playing the music still and he's, you know, beating up. Yes. Sid a little. I like that. But then after that, it's basically just Sid beats the shit out of him for a few minutes. And then he busts out of the, the thing hulks up and then the weird, awkward finish, which to me, I'm totally believing that Papa Shango blew it. Um, but what say you about the match and your grade and all that? Okay, yeah, the match. You know, I love the beginning. A big pop for Hulkster. He's come out. This is possibly going to be his last match. That was the catch around the whole thing uh, for weeks leading up to it. Um, we'll get into afterwards uh, what, why this happened with Hulk, why this just possibly may have been his last match. So that was the hook. Uh, Hulk comes out, you know, real Americans playing as he's beating the crap out of Sid for a while before the bell rings. Any Hulkamaniac is going to love that. So that gets a little bit of brownie points for me, like you said, Steve. Uh, yeah, the match is boring, dull. You know what I mean? It's it, There's way more exciting at a Hogan MSG show than this. Like, I don't know what was going on here. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't too exciting at all. You know, he takes the power bomb, kicks out. Yeah, Papa Shango was supposed to break up the pin on too. I mean, what else What else could it have been? Uh, he missed his cue. He came out. When he came out, still looked like he was kind of lost. He even goes, where's he going? Mm-hmm. He, he was kind of, he was probably being serious. You know, if he finally gets, finally gets down to the ring, you know, that, and they were playing catch with Whippleman. So if, if he made his cue, we never would have got that call from Heenan. <laughs> picked it. Hogan picked up uh, Harvey Whippleman and threw him at Sid. And Bobby goes, they're playing catch with Whippleman. <laughs> then you see Papa Shango coming down. <laughs> I don't know. Just the whole thing just makes me laugh. That's a good so, one. So, you know, Attacking the Hulkster, he's in there. Why the hell? I mean, a lot of people don't know this. Yes, on Superstars, Papa Shango put a spell on Hogan uh, the week before this in a vignette. So he yeah. was after Hogan. But, like, nobody paid. They should have showed it before the match instead of doing that interview with Brutus or do that, too. Like, oh, keep Papa Shango in mind. But um, he breaks it up. But you know what, man? I had my parents were pissed at me at this time. They, I had so many friends over for uh, WrestleMania eight, you know, we were sixth graders. God, there, there probably were like 12 of us in there. Kids from, from my class. But, uh, with the warrior, I was no warrior fan, you me know, either. but when that music hit though, I love surprises and shocks. He'd been gone since SummerSlam. And what a pop. We, when we said he ran from Madison square garden in August and got to Indianapolis by April. So that was kind of <laughs> like, that was kind of like the jokes. He ran out with the chair chasing Sheik and uh, Adnan. Sure. At SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, for that moment, I had to like the Ultimate Warrior. That was that was a pop. You know, and then everybody, all the kids talking, wait, is that really him? Is that really him? Mm-hmm. You know, all, all that kind of stuff. And the next day, oh, I think it was Texas Tornado dressed as him and you know, all this kind of bullshit. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the pose down with Hogan and Warrior at the end, I, I – Anything with real American playing, we're going to hear it in a minute right here on the 24-inch podcast. But um, it, it, that's for me. You know what I mean? But the match sucking you know, in the middle really, really hurts everything. But the, the, that ending is so exciting. Well, not the botch. You know, the warrior coming down. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it two and three quarters generously. If it wasn't for the warrior, it's, it's such an excitement return, such an exciting return surprise, I would give it two stars. But I'm going to give it three quarters extra for that very last thing on this mania it's very much a transitional mania right you have young stars going over established stars all over the card 
Michaels, Taker, Michaels, and Brett. Taker and Brett, three in a row. Then you also have Hogan standing tall at the end, but there's this feeling of it's the end for him. You know, at least for now. You know, you have that feeling that he's not going to be around never, much longer. It was never the same anyway. Right. The 93 return is like almost kind of, even though he held the belt and he did some house shows, it's kind of like a one-off, kind of like a, a guest. You know what I mean? Like a celebrity guest that's around for a while. And It wasn't like a real, the real holster. We debated this on Place to Be, but looking back, I just feel like the steroid scandal and the Arsenio Hall appearance and all that is the reason that we didn't get Flair versus Hogan here. Not because it didn't test well or whatever. I don't know. I, I saw one of them tested pretty goddamn well, and Vince is standing right there. Awesome match. So I don't know about all that. I just think everything was happening. The heat was on, and it was a good time for Hulk to step away. So they used Flair to put over Savage as the top baby face in the company, and it's another example of just the transition. They keep, yeah. Sid, they keep Sid strong. You know, he doesn't lose to Hogan here. Uh, but they send Hogan off posing. He doesn't. It's not like a Yokozuna moment. So, you know, I don't know. It's not my favorite I, WrestleMania. Um, but, I, you know, it's an easy watch. I enjoyed moments for sure. And But I just think overall, I'd love to see this year play out without the steroids, the steroid scandal, anything like that being involved, you know? Yeah, I might as well give my opinion on why I don't think Hogan and Flair happen now. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, remember. okay. There's a lot of different things I'm going to throw in here, but the, the first thing is timing. Uh, timing is always a factor in a lot of things, and Flair came in in August. If Flair came in in December, I think they would have found a way to make it happen. He comes in in August. McMahon wanted a hot shot to house shows because uh, the house shows in 1991 weren't doing the business they did in 86, 87, 88, 89. Around 90, the second half of 90, it started dipping significantly by 91. Even cards Hogan was on. Instead of being sellouts, maybe it was 65% now full. Um, so I think Vince said, you know, let me put this on the road. And it, people say it didn't do well on the road. It did do well on the road. What hurt it is that it was a couple thousand shy of a, sh- shy of a sellout in Madison Square Garden. And people keep that in their mind. It sold out the Boston Garden. It sold out in a lot of places. And the Garden was 15000 I mean, come on. It's close enough. But, um, well, they did that. And I still think even though they did the house shows, they were still going to do WrestleMania. But obviously, be whatever reasons, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into them all now. We may touch on it in a bit. Uh, why Ho- What Hogan was doing when he left, he decided to leave. Now, you can't have Hogan beat the champ, Ric Flair, and have the belt and then leave, be off. TV, you know, for with no storyline, no nothing. Right, exactly. And, yeah, I mean that that's that's your answer right there. You, and you, I mean, you could have Flair beat him, but you're not going to have the NWA guy beat Hulk Hogan in the WrestleMania main event. You know, what yeah. I mean, and you can't. You're not going to have a schmaz. They did it with Sid, but I mean, for Hogan Flair, you can't have a schmaz at at WrestleMania. So uh, that's the reason. Maybe who knows? They thought, okay, we'll do it next year. You know what I mean? But um, Hogan leaving. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, that all that stuff, well, he did leave every two years in the summer anyway, in 88 summer, he left to do the whole, no, Barred, 1990 summer, he left to do, um, Suburban Commando, so now he was going anyway, Mr. Nanny was set to be made, so he was going to disappear off TV anyway, they probably, though, would have done an angle and had him come back, you know, for SummerSlam, like they did with the other two, 
But just before this, right around the time they announced this just may be his last match is when the sexual scandals came up. So now it's two, that had nothing to do with Hulk, but now it's two scandals. So I think Hulk kind of wanted to distance him because of the movie deals. He wanted to distance himself a little bit from this product that now has a you know homosexual uh, scandal going on. That was just then. I think I read it in the news. They were on Donahue with Vince and, uh, Vince and Meltzer and all those guys, John Arezzi. So right then, and then that weekend, Patterson resigned, uh, Mel Phillips was let go, Terry Garvin resigned, and then they announced it's going to be Hogan's last match. So that's your reason for his uh, disappearance for until next year's WrestleMania. In my opinion, IMO. Very good. Well, that's the story of WrestleMania 8 and Hulk versus Sid. We're busy still tonight, Dave. We're not close to done. So let's take a break. When we come back, we got new social media pages and emails and comments and all kinds of shit to sort through and get ready for next time. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back, finishing out the ninth episode of the 24-inch podcast. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. are back to 24-inch podcast. Finish it up. WrestleMania 8. I got a special secret. All right. You calm down over there with your secrets, you nut. Steve Bennett, Paula Bennett here. She's out of control tonight. Dave Rollins. One last segment today. Don't forget you can find this episode of the 24-inch podcast in all episodes on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. Also being released today, a new episode of the Sportscasters. Uh, featuring interview with Mike Triplett from ESPN.com, talking about the career of the great Drew Brees. And also Andy Marchand from the New York Post, talking about the new television deals at the NFL, making $10 billion uh, in income on those deals. Billion dollars a year before they even sell a ticket. Uh, we'll talk about that incredible piece of media news and some other stuff there. SoundCloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, or you can find us on Twitter uh, at the number two, the number four-inch podcast, two four-inch podcast, two four-inch podcast at gmail.com, at sports underscore casters, at HD. What is your Twitter, Dave? H-D-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. Right. Twitter or whatever the HD. hell it is. All right. Also, don't forget to check out Peter Winson, our good buddy there. Greetings from Allentown. He put out a new podcast today on Thursday as we record about ECW, an ECW show. And then usually on the weekends, him and Keithy will put out a Greetings from Allentown Live. Anything else we got to plug, Dave, that you can think of? Besides um, the new stuff, 
before that, just anything regularly that we plug. Uh, you uh, know, place to be nation. Don't forget Justin and uh, Scott, the Jenny position and the two place to be nation, pop culture, wrestling, and of course, North South connection, the kind of four different channels in that world. Uh, check them out as well. Good friends of ours. You said it all. All right. Uh, the first thing we wanted to do when we started this podcast is we wanted to record some episodes, you know, get our feet, get our feet under us. Um, and we did that. And we also started with an email address and a Twitter. But we said as we got a little bit more comfortable, we would add more things. And Dave took the first step, uh, showed some initiative and set up an Instagram page. And it's uh, 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. And you can join us on there on Instagram. And then the next day, I started a Facebook group. Now, I thought at first I made a mistake. Uh, I thought I wanted to make a page, and I made a group, and it was a screw-up, and we thought about deleting it. But it turns out it's kind of been a hit. Uh, We got a lot of followers there and a lot of comments there, and I think it's going to help this segment, especially the email segment. You know, Maybe it's harder in 2021 to get someone to write an email, uh, but maybe not that hard to get them to just post on you know, a group thread or whatever so we'll see how that goes but uh, you can find us on facebook i left it public um so just search 24 inch podcast you should be able to find it our artist chris smith made us a header for it even though it kind of doesn't technically fit but it should great work yeah that logo is phenomenal and i think i'm going to put that header on the soundcloud page so the sportscasters logo will be the logo but the header will be that kind of is a good way to have representation of both on the on the page but oh we're moving up but yeah i mean it was our intent all along to kind of just get started and get our feet under us and then kind of go from there now we do have a traditional email first dave what did you have as far as that goes okay um our good friend kevin hogan who's been with us uh, since day one here on the 24 inch pack podcast he was cutting it close with his question but he made it in time uh, Dave, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning was the first bad guy wrestler that I ever cheered for. I'm using the term bad guy and not heel because back then we didn't refer to them as faces and heels. They were good guys and bad guys. I like that, Kevin. Keep it up. Uh, you guys did such a good job giving us an in-depth look at Mr. Wonderful Paul Lorndorf. I was wondering when you might be able to get around to Kurt Henning. Sorry for cutting it so close. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, from Nutley, uh, for that question. Uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, is uh, also one of my all-time favorite wrestlers Same. and favorite wrestling personalities. That personality on him is just as good as his wrestling in-ring ability, and that's saying a bunch His right bumping, there. His bumping is so awesome. Yeah, awesome. He's everything about the guy. What a loss. What a tragedy. Lose him. I would love to have him at the conven- be at the conventions. Imagine Kurt Henning being there. What a blast that would be. But um, let me talk with my 24-inch podcast partner here. For a Mr. We'll get Perfect him on the show. list. Yeah, we'll get him on the list. Well, I like keeping the shows kind of in the season. Like, we're doing WrestleMania, WrestleMania season. We did a Royal Rumble, a Royal Rumble season. We did uh, David Schultz during that time with John Stossel, February. There is, in uh, late April, Saturday night's main event with uh, Mr. Perfect in 1990. We haven't done any anything from 1990 just yet. Okay. So I would say be keeping an eye out for that very soon. Yeah, I like it. Right? I like it. Yeah. I love uh, – I don't know that there was a question beyond when are we going to do him, but I love him, and that Brett 91 SummerSlam match with him is full five stars for me. I love that match. Oh, yeah. I was, I was there live. I can watch it anytime. All right. Now, there's a bunch of stuff from the Facebook group, uh, and we'll start with that. 
Um, Dave put a uh, a post up, and uh, it starts with our buddy Calvin Crowell. He says, I hope one of you rip up a fake speech. That's peak of all the bogus things Jack Tunney did. <laughs> so, yes, Jack Tunney. Didn't he piss you off, Dave, back in the day? Like, he would get me so oh, mad, God. you know, like not returning the titles to the Bulldogs. You know, he was a heel for he was a yeah. heel for sure, like uh, without without really showing it, you know. And how about when Yokozuna what, defeated Hogan in '93 and he congratulated him after with the the fire going in his face and everything? He didn't say one word about it. Yeah, Fred Nichols says something we made a point to mention. Fred, uh, one thing about the Hulk Sid match I love is Hulk kicking Sid's butt while Real American was still playing. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. He also says. Uh, Make sure to watch it prior to the podcast dropping. Oh, he's going to watch this. I had that VHS with me when I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, back in 92, 93. Watched it a lot. It was really cool to be in a room with a bunch of Marines drinking and watching WrestleMania. Then, of course, we started brawling. It's one of my favorite manias for that memory alone. God bless Fred and the Marines, and it sounds like a lot of fun for sure. Fred's a great guy. I've been talking to him uh on the Facebook for quite a while out out in Okinawa, Japan. Did they start brawling or they start doing some Miyagi Do karate? They had the That's little drums. They had the drums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah more Fred, from Fred. Awesome. More from Fred. I'm curious about yours and Hollywood Dave's thoughts on some things that occurred in the main event. Um, Sid kicking out on the late drop. I don't know if it wasn't planned, but Grill and Bobby. Okay. We talked about this, uh, Fred. I think we both agree Papa Shango blew it. Yes. Um, the match closing WrestleMania ending in a DQ, even though Hogan still got to pose. Hogan always must pose. We know that from Bruce. And um, we kind of talked also about why we thought it was a DQ. Anything to add there? Uh, no. I mean, I guess they, they, they didn't want to pin Sid. I mean, obviously, Hogan's not going to get pinned. They didn't want to pin Sid because he was supposed to go on the road with the Warrior. And that actually really didn't happen. He had a couple matches. And it was time to go play softball. Sid was out the door yep. by the end of April. So luckily, Papa Shango fit right into that. Once view. that sun he starts shining, sets yeah. that, you got to hit the diamonds. Uh, that was So you know what? They might as well fucking pit Sid. Excuse <laughs> my language, honey. Uh, you know, Warrior, if they knew he was leaving the month. This is something we talked about, too. Warrior, not looking like Warrior, smaller, less hairspray. And people speculating that wasn't the real Warrior. Remember the rumor about Warrior being dead. Boy, do I ever, Fred. This was oh, all God. over my lunch table, you know, for weeks. It's not the real warrior. You know, my dad heard this. You know, my uncle told me this. Everyone had a rumor about what happened to Warrior. Uh, but now, of course, we know nothing happened to Warrior. What is it with that? They were even doing that, these knucklehead kids, before the Warrior left at SummerSlam 91. Around WrestleMania 6, oh, this is a different one. Or you know there's three of them, right? Oh, and by the way, you know wrestling's fake, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, wrestling's fake. There's three Ultimate Warriors, Hulk Hogan, Bruce Beefcake, brothers, blah, 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 blah. Texas Tornado and War. Uh, Texas Tornado is brothers with the fifth Ultimate Warrior. Re- you got it. Yeah. Wrestling is real. People are fake. Yeah, remember that. Real, right, Paula? Yeah. Still real yeah. to you. Yeah. But, I mean. In the rock show, I heard that never say the F word. Yep, that's right. You heard on Young Rock. You never yeah. say the F word. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Paul. I forgot you were on the line. I, I, I'm i totally against that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't Steve, say the F word. Steve will tell you that. I'm yeah. so sorry about that. All right. But, uh, uh, Jay Hinchy. My friend. Uh, oh, go ahead. My, real quick. My friend yeah. Anthony Pagano 
he asked the question this week. When we got older and started getting going into bars, you know, he knows the truth about everything. It bothers him when people talk about this, these uh, made-up stories of three ultimate warriors. But as people start talking to us about wrestling in bars, just to bust my balls, Anthony will go to the person, you know, there's three ultimate warriors, right? You know, Hogan, Bruce, Beefcake, and Brothers, right? So he'll start, <laughs> he'll start throwing that out. Oh, my God. You know what's it's funny tough. is I never heard, like, hey, do you know that, you know, Tornado only has one foot? Never. You know that? Never. You know, yeah, there's some conspiracies true. to be had. But we... Remember that happened also on the, on the um, show? Well, when the Andre the Giant said, he's, he said wrestling, uh, he said wrestling was fake, and then Andre holds him up on a walk, and then he whipped him up, and then he said, never do you have for it. Yep. And then I Shiki, saw that, Paul. And then Shiki Baby, yeah. he said. <laughs> do it in your Shiki voice. Um, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's Andre the Giant on Jenny Craig. Why he said beer's that wine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. All right, Jay Hinchy. He wants to know: Do you think the Macho Man versus Jake Roberts feud would have blown off here had the card not been changed in the weeks leading up to it? I say yes. I think it would have. Dave. Yes, yes. Like I said before, there, it wouldn't just been a regular match. Some kind of specialty match. For sure. Hell yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. I think it really didn't end right anyway because he was going to hit them with the chair. So obviously Savage didn't really take him out good enough. And Undertaker, you know, turned face, took the chair back. So, uh, yeah, something had to happen and, um, there. It just never did. Yeah. Never came to fruition. Our buddy Calvin Crowell says, why is Ray Combs the MVP of this mania? He very well might be, Cal. Uh, what a I'll great take it. The comedic legend that was. Uh, and then Jay wants us to mention, too, that it's Reba, not Ariba. Oh. <laughs> All right, more. We got more stuff. See this Facebook group, man. What a hit so far, huh? Um, I got some. Oh, wait. Paula's got something. What do you got, Paula? Give us one of yours. Uh, I got them. I haven't taken my phone for. Okay. Uh, Ryan Cummings wants to know, Dave. This is a good one for you. I'm not really sure. Well, maybe I can think okay. of someone, but he wants to know what current talent could have a solid career in the Hogan heyday. Okay, Mr. Ryan Cummings from Reviews from the Tub. Check him out on YouTube. Uh, that's that's actually a tough question because these guys, they just don't have it. So a lot of them have the look. They have the in-ring ability, but the charisma is lacking. Like someone like a Drew McIntyre, he, he could be – maybe that's my answer, but he could be on the level of a Billy Jack Haynes maybe if he was in the Hogan era. I was going to say I wouldn't Ron put him Stroman. as the top guy. Stroman, him too, maybe. He would be someone that I think they could have found a really good – you know, three match MSG with Hulk or something. You know. Yeah, I still see something missing there. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, for that. But I mean, for a top top guy like on his own. Uh, I mean, we're not going to count like the Cena's and the Lesnar's, the uh, ruthless aggression era guys. The guys now, you know, Daniel Bryan would be a jobber. Um, yeah, I, uh, Lashley would be like a warlord or a Tony Atlas. You know what I mean? I'm ready. So, uh, so hang on, Paul. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, Ryan, my answer is uh. Drew McIntyre, but without the charisma mid-carder. And I'll but, go with uh, Strowman. There you go. All right. Podcast with commentary while reviewing the 1986 classic Body Slam starring Roddy Piper. That's by Nuno. Uh, Nuno, I love that movie. And if it made absolutely any sense for us to do it on this show, we would. I think it makes sense if uh, you know when the time comes. Because if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, that movie wouldn't have been made. Because there would be no rock and wrestling Era, you know, that was what the movie's about. 
You know what I maybe, mean? Maybe, maybe someday. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. Uh, the I can't. Her name escaped me. That beautiful woman just passed away. That that was. Uh, oh no. That was in the movie. Yeah. What the hell's her name? Well, what, we don't got time for that right now. Joshua. But the, the female lead just passed away in that. Joshua Contreras. Who would win Hogan and Macho Man versus King Kong and Godzilla? Go ahead, Dave. Well, well, let me tell you something, Josh. Hogan. I'm going to give you the stand by me, Vern answer here. King Kong and Godzilla is a cartoon, or well, not a cartoon, or a, a movie. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man are real guys. So, come on now. Come on now. And Hulk Hogan defeated King Kong Bundy, and Macho Man dumped over Rodzilla, Dennis Rodman, in a portal potty. So, there you have it. And rest in peace to the beautiful Tanya Roberts. Tanya Roberts, Who died there you go. January 4th, 2021, at the age of 71. Quite the looker. All right, uh, Claire wants to know how we listen to the show, but I think we cleared that up, right? How you doing, Miss Claire Yobbs? Yes, we cleared it up. Hopefully, Claire Yobbs. No Yobbs? Claire, no Yobbs? Hopefully I she, like it. Yeah, hopefully she figured it out. All right, did we get them all, Dave? I think so. All right, Paula, what do you got for us, baby? Well, there's one email that I got from Mommy. Okay, what does Mommy want to know tonight? She said that... When we do the podcast, we need a podcast to do. Okay. So I don't know what that kind of means. But I think I... she needs to mind her own business. Wait, wait. I think there's more. Oh, there's more. Okay, good. This is a good one. What else? She said that when it happens, it means that the wrestling. Okay. It means that the part of the wrestling show. All right. Well, I'll straighten her out. Okay. So I think I should send her something back to make it simple. For okay. Do you got anything else, Paula? Okay. Quickly. It's been a long show, sweetheart. One more. Okay, one, one more. From, one from Willow. Oh, from Willow, my niece, who's one years old, emailing the show. Oh. Okay, what would Hi, the, Willow. we call her the pillow? What does the pillow have to say? Willow the pillow. Yep. She said that she... Goo goo gaga, goo goo gaga? No. Oh, she's... Okay, what'd she say in the video? She said, hi and stuff, and okay. that means what is your favorite wrestling show. That uh-huh. means wrestling show that's your favorite okay. show. Good, good question, Willow. My favorite Saturday night's main event. It was always super special for me when it was on. I got to watch it with my dad or my dad's friends or whoever was around at that time at night. I have fond memories of just trying to keep my eyes open uh, to watch it. Because I had the permission to watch it, but sometimes I just couldn't fight the sleep at that age. But definitely Saturday Night's Main Event is my favorite wrestling show. What about you, Dave? Uh, it's a tie uh, with Saturday Night's Main Event for all the same reasons you just gave, Steve. And the Gorilla and Bobby version of primetime wrestling. Oh, I love that, too. Yes, sir. Love coming in from the house after in the summer after playing all day and you know being filthy and my mom trying to get me in the bath and me trying to stay... <laughs> in front of the TV, you know, and then trying to run to the bath and get out of the bath and not miss, miss as little as I could. Like, okay, they're playing a rematch of Pedro Morales versus some other jabroni from 86 of the garden. Now would be a good time for a bath. You know? <laughs> yeah. Paul, yes, sir. We got to watch your favorite? Them joined in progress. Um, what's I your think, favorite wrestling show? I think it's when, um, the bad man, the bad one won. The bad man won because I like how it goes. Okay, she likes anything oh, with the boss man. I think Paula means the shows that we've done. 
Oh, you. T- oh, what's yeah. your favorite episode of Twenty Four Inch Podcast? You're saying? Yeah. I think that's what the. Okay. Yes. Is that what, <laughs> that's what Will wanted to know? Yeah. Okay. So we're answering two questions for Will on the pillow. Yes. <laughs> My one year old niece. Uh, there, are two, there are two videos. Who kind of? The, this is kind of the best. The first one. Well, here, how about this? Instead of the pillow, I want you to give the listeners. Okay. I want you to give them real clearly. Think about the answer. Real clearly answer this question. Okay. Who is better between mommy and daddy and why is it daddy? Go ahead. Tell them why. And because uh, he does snacks and let me do sleepovers when they want to. Okay. I do snacks and I allow her to do sleepovers when she wants to. Yeah. Okay. Good job by me. Cool. Dave, do you got anything else before we sign off of a long 24-inch podcast? Oh, next time. Next yeah. time, come back the 10th episode, and we'll be talking about WrestleMania 18. I can't wait it's to do biggie. it. The Rock versus Hogan in the Sky Dome. I can't wait to do it if for no reason other than to tell you why I wasn't there. Yeah, we're going to have to put up a disclaimer before we get into that story for sure. But, um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to rewatch this one. I've rewatched the Hogan Rock match a million times, but the WrestleMania, I don't know if I've ever, the other matches, I don't know if I've ever rewatched it since it happened live. So uh, that's going to be a little fresh for me. And it's going to be a whole new era. We're going to be adults looking back on our adult life. Yep. Yep. With the pillow. The the pillow's back. (laughs) All right. Paula. Dave. It's been a long show. I need to say this. To the pillow. (laughs) To to our friends on Facebook. Our friends on Instagram. Judith Light. Tanya Roberts. May she rest in peace. There you go. Please say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. And not my secret.